Hey, so just a quick heads up, um, my audio for the first like 16 minutes of this episode isn't the best. Um, I don't really know what, what went wrong, but um, I was able to sort it out afterwards. And um, after about 16 minutes in, uh, the audio is just normal. Regardless, I hope you enjoy the episode. Um, Ed Baum was a really good guest, and uh, yeah. Hello everybody, welcome to the World of Breakfast podcast. I'm your host, William of IW Studios. As always, joining with us is uh, my good friend and co-host, Sean Moses-City Penter. Hello, once again. And our special guest today is Ed Bound. Hello! How's everybody doing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing well. Oh, great. Well, yeah, uh, th- th- um, th- uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Oh, no problem. Thank you very much for having me on the show. <laughs> or on the podcast. I know, I know it made it sound as if this is the end of the episode, but... <laughs> <laughs> just... <laughs> Um, it could be either or. <laughs> Reuse this exact same audio for the end of it. <laughs> but yes, thanks for taking some time out of your evidently incredibly busy schedule. Yes, yeah. I'm actually very excited to be here. I'm very happy that you guys asked. One of the things that I find really amazing about you is that, uh, like, like, you know, I think for about a year now, isn't it? You've you've uh, roughly um, released one brick from a week. Yeah, it's actually right about that point. I started in May last year, and now it is May of this year. Wow. Oh, sweet, yeah. Yeah. What is always crazy is, like, it's the quality has always remains consistent. Yeah, like, I was going to say know... the same. The animation is good. Yeah. Thank you very much. So so what's the secret? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think there really is much of a secret. I guess, like, the animation techniques I use particularly, I don't focus much on realistic animation. Um, it's more, It's much more cartoonish and exaggerated. And in doing so, you kind of skip a lot of the subtlety. Which kind of does help with speeding things along. Mm. I would say that doing this style of animation is much faster than doing something like Twickabrick, for example, because they're they're much more uh, their movements are a lot more defined and slower. Yeah. But in that same sense, it's, it gives it more much more of a sense of like realism. Yeah, I do feel like kind of want to say like you can get away with things by doing large cartoony movements, but not in a bad way because pretty it's, much it's, you know it's a good style. You can go with one or the other. This style does lend itself much more to being able to be produced much more quickly. Yeah, that's the kind of um, the the sort of trick, I guess, of like cartoony animation is. I mean, it, it looks really appealing, but you can get away with being kind of like imperfect in like with, with particular frames, and it kind of it just kind of works. Yeah, and I like that. I like that about it too. You yeah. know, at the, I think I I love the the realism style that a lot of other brick filmers go for. Um, and I really, and sometimes, like, you know, I even think, like, how could I po- po- probably do this myself? But I also really like how much the Lego aesthetic itself, like, really lends itself to the cartoonish style as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's quite nice to see, like, how there isn't much, like, articulation with them, but you can make them very fluid and kind of, you can have so much movement within them. Um, and I think it's really cool to see. It's quite, you know, that's seeing that kind of, like, cartoony kind of style. And I think as well... When you when you're thinking about the style of animation that you you want to pick for like a, a brick film, it needs it you know you have to have that kind of intent of is it a more kind of humorous brick film or if it's more of a serious brick film? You have to have a certain style, and I think that that kind of um, what a lot of people consider smooth kind of um, you know very kind of like subtle animation doesn't necessarily work in a more comedic kind of uh brick film yeah i feel like when you especially when you're doing like things like comedy um you have to really think about the visuals as well because that's pretty much like half the battle yeah Yeah. like when you're like when you're delivering a joke or something you have to make sure what the audience is seeing is also not only are they like are they visually stimulated but it's also funny 
And I think when you do the cartoonish movements, like when they're really fast or quick paced, then it really lends itself to that. Yeah, especially yeah, when absolutely. it ties in nicely with good voice acting. That's also one of the reasons why I also try and like go for the crazy um, sort of movements is because when you have an emphasis in the voice acting on a particular word, um, you want to also portray the character. You want to make sure like the character is also like acting. Yeah. And yeah, it's more important to have character to how they move. That's more important than just smoothness. Although smoothness, it, I think like all of these have their place. Of course, um, yeah. But you know, a lot of the time, a lot of the time, people's only uh, compliment to animation is just, "Oh, it's smooth." But you know, you can do something that's smooth but entirely robotic, whereas it's, it's better to have some character. I think that's something that we've uh, sort of touched on in the past, like with. Uh... With, with brick films is that um, there can be an emphasis uh, too much on um, one particular element and the kind of smoothness and the easing in and out is only kind of one of those elements. Yes, it's like um, when you have just easing in and out, you know, that's, that's very important as well. But you also have to make sure that, you know, like there's a purpose to each of these movements as well. There needs to be sort of an expression or an emotion that you want your character to convey within these movements. I know I was very inspired by uh, mind games, dialogue animation. To see that you could have emphasis on just certain words or certain inflections, really down to minute details. Uh, so I like trying to do that. I love doing that. I love like having like a character do like a stutter and being able to animate that as well. Yeah. Just have them like move to like move their head back and forth or like or like swing their neck. You know, it's just like when they're like when you have a character who's like really looking for what to say, I love being able to sort of animate the panic in uh, in them. Yeah, I get that. I mean, uh, I was trying to do that a bit with um, the last break film that I did. Um, I took part in uh, Mind Games um, Quarantine, quarantine Days. Oh, Quarantine Days. Yeah. And, um, Wait, I saw your entry, actually. Oh, yeah, cool. I enjoyed cool. it. Oh, thank you. I mean, I know it's basically um, what you did before. <laughs> There's no way anybody could have known. And it, that, the thing is, I get a lot of like um, people saying... Uh, can I do this or can I do that or we'll be copying you and it's like you can pretty much do whatever you want There's no one concrete idea that belongs to somebody. I mean at the end of the day I'm technically ripping off all these people who you know draw comic books with the spider-man characters and stuff <laughs> Even if it's a similar idea to somebody else There's no way you can make it exactly the same because your own unique take on it is what makes it unique It's important for people to remember that which yeah. is why I really liked yours as well. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> but I, I can confirm I got the script for it before yours came out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no worries. There's no. There's no accusations here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did. I did want to confirm that you know there wasn't any like yeah, whipping off. <laughs> yeah. With that, I kind of wanted to go for more of a, a cartoony style. I think I actually looked at the way that Benny and Lee is animated, uh, Penta. Like I was kind of going for that kind of style a bit. Um, because I don't generally, I don't really make a lot of brick films which are kind of comedic that way. So um, it was quite a, a, a fun experiment just to kind of like have constant movement. Oh yeah, I, I really like constant movement, especially recently. I've been trying to have if a character starts saying a line, they don't stop moving until they're finished with the line. You'll see that in the history video I just released. I did see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do like that a lot, and I think it's like one thing that I noticed that some people do is they'll animate like one thing a lot and it kind of just gets very repetitive like uh, i remember that i remember seeing um a brick film where the only thing that was like constantly moving w were the hands and they'd like rotate like uh 360 degrees yeah, and it just got <laughs> and it just got really sort of distracting you know oh just constantly just like motoring yeah oh man it's like a whisk 
Yeah, they're just sort of like... They're just moving. They're kind of like, you know, um, defying the laws of uh, the human anatomy and physics. <laughs> but it, it's funny <laughs> that you mentioned that, though, because I've kind of taken to animating the characters leaning back and forward a lot. Uh, and I, I've been doing that, too. Yeah, and I try not to have the arms go up a lot because, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, it's unnatural. Like, people... I mean, I know people talk with their hands, but like they don't just throw their arms up straight up and down all the time. Uh, so I, I feel like leaning kind of looks a bit more natural, uh, like yeah. like like they're actually people, and I just put the arms up for real emphasis. Yeah, when you have Lego, there's not much you can really like do with the minifigures themselves. So, did you find as well though? Like, there's some uh, there's some situations where if you're doing a walk cycle, you don't necessarily want to move their arms at the same time. Um, because I don't think everybody always mm-hmm. um, does that kind of marching kind <laughs> of uh, look, you know. <laughs> and that's one of the things I found, like, when, if you want to make a character kind of, like, pace up and down uh, a room, oh, you're yeah. probably not, they're probably not going to actually um, move their arms. Well, that's, that's another thing that, personally, I've been getting into recently, is trying to animate walks uh, without using cycles and trying to imagine, you know, what... what fits the character and the circumstances best yeah i mean that's one of the things that um i've started doing now with avon episode six um i've tried to add more like um you know what that kind of the, the sick framework cycle i think that works better for that kind of like um kind of a slow walk because i always think that four frames the classic four frame like uh, walk cycle is just too fast yeah, but it, it does have a nice sort of goofy yeah. Lego look to it. Yeah, again, it works for that kind of cartoony yeah. style, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I think, like, when it comes to, like, walk cycles in general, it's weird because sometimes they can work and sometimes they just don't. <laughs> they can look odd. <laughs> Even though you're pretty much doing nothing different from previous, like, you know, from previous walk cycles, it's just, it can be strange. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, that's why I'm, I want to get away from uh, having these, like, rigid cycles in mind because mm-hmm. I feel like... I want to animate it like I'd animate anything else and just think, like, what's the next frame supposed to be to convey the movement the way I want it to look? Rather than just thinking, you know, frame one, leg forward, frame two, <laughs> you know, between the studs, <laughs> frame three, leg down. I think with walking, there's not really much you can actually do to convey a character because, you know, Legos don't have much to do. But running is oh, yeah. a whole different game. That's like, running is like, yeah, there are so many runs out there. It's crazy. Uh, one of the things I do like to do, I like the um, walk and talk, where they move their arms as if they're talking whilst walking. That's oh, yeah. quite cool. That's fun. And like they're swinging them up and down. And like even having the body lean forward a bit while yeah. they're walking. I mean, with that, you do generally have to have like um, some way to rig it, like have the have some tack because they're, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're otherwise they'll just fall over. But um, hmm. I do like that look a lot. Sticky tack is strange to me. I don't like the way it can sometimes stain the Lego. Um, or maybe that's just an issue with the tack I'm yeah, using. Yeah, I was just going to say, that just doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so, oh, really? Oh, maybe I should get some different Do you ones, Do you not use tack much? Um, I use it when I know I have to. Like, for example, when the characters are like Naruto running oh. or something, and they have to be leaning forward, then yes, I yeah. will try to like stick with the same color that their legs are to like hide it better. But I find it, it can be just somewhat of a hassle just because sometimes it doesn't stick right or sometimes it hits the wrong spot or it just falls over anyways. I feel like different colors of tech are greasier and have a strange consistency to them. And 
I've only ever really liked the classic blue tech. Mm. Something that I've seen, I think Mighty Wanderer do is uh, just put the entire torso on just a big mound of tech with no legs whatsoever <laughs> and get really subtle movements with it. But actually, something I wanted to ask was, uh, you've got a lot of camera movements in your films. And so what's your rig for that? It's really just my my webcam, the C920. And that's it. <laughs> nice. Okay. <laughs> You're one of the C920 crew as well. Yeah. I like it because it's so small. So, yeah. like, you know, I don't have a lot of space myself already. Um, and when you're building indoor sets, particularly, it can be kind of, like, difficult to get, like, a huge camera in some yeah, of the tighter yeah. spaces. Um, when I used to use my DSLR, that was a was a problem, especially. But with a smaller camera, it's just much easier to sort of, you know, move it around and get it in some interesting places, even if you do lose uh, visual quality. I just love how easily you can um, do camera movements with the C920. Um, it's just sort of, um, it's really perfect for, um, like, that kind of the thing. Style, I think for if sure, you... yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it really, it really benefits. Yeah, moving the camera goes a long way to keeping the film, the visuals alive. Uh, yeah, it's just important to just, like, you know, have a constant stream of movement. Um, just because I find, particularly myself, when I'm watching brick films, if there's not much going on in terms of, like, in terms of pacing, it can be easy to lose an, an audience member. Yeah, I mean, I generally try and um, focus mostly when it comes to, like, influence on live action. Um, films because generally most films don't actually have a whole lot of just sort of static shots Mm -hmm. because it it can be Mm -hmm. quite boring (laughs) so uh, a lot of films rely heavily on camera movement to add some something visually interesting but but done in a you know good enough way that you don't even register it unless you're looking for it yeah yeah one thing i really like is like hand the handheld camera kind of kind of look you see in a lot of especially in modern tv shows like brooklyn 99 or like a yeah. mockumentary. I think I think that works much better for comedy and a static sort of like tripod shots work a lot better for more like avant-garde things. Did I use that term correctly? Let me just Google it. I don't know what I just said. <laughs> I think that sounds right, yeah. I mean Let's it's... just say art. <laughs> yeah, that's that's well yeah, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> more of a more of like a dramatic film. But actually you mentioned that you, you used a DSLR previously. Uh and Something that I've, something I was kind of meaning to bring up, but I guess it doesn't, I guess it's been fixed, but for some reason, up until recently, your films were stretched horizontally. It always bugged me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's not something I particularly noticed until, until I stopped doing it. And now I can't go back and watch some of the older ones, (laughs) older ones either. Um, Because this was like at a time where I didn't really expect these to get like crazy or like critiqued or anything. So I kind of just slapped them in After Effects and stretched them out without really caring about the aspect ratio too much. So you were you were filming um, them in four three. Uh, I I think it was four three at the time. Um, either that or I simply just tried to fit the entire frame in in the frame, or like you know, for fit the entire shot in the frame without really caring much for how it actually looked. Um, but after that, I stopped doing that and I just said, you know what, let's just remember the fact that there's going to be some area of the frame that will be cropped out because of the way it's going to look or because of the way it's going to be, you know, aspect ratioed. And I would just work within that limit. Yeah. And then I just stopped, I stopped stretching it out and I just started, you know, cutting off the corners of the frame instead. Something that I was curious about, um, is that, so your YouTube channel is rather recent. The only, the only uploads are going back to like mid 
2018, I think. But I, I know that you were doing stuff before then, so uh, do, you, do you have any older YouTube channels? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> the forbidden question. Yeah, um, yeah I do. I, from when I was like around 10, uh, when I was 9, 10, 11, uh, I had a channel called Cricking, K-R-I-K-E-N. Uh, all the videos are still up there if you really want to see them. But I do not recommend it. I cannot go back and watch them. <laughs> well, you already know that I um, will. <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, you know, like, you know, like you, uh, it's important to also recognize that a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff doesn't happen overnight either. Um, so a lot of these videos date back all the way like to 2009, 2010, you know, uh, about 10 years ago. And I know that's not much, uh, con like, you know, considering you've covered Brickformers who've been doing this for like 30 <laughs> years now. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it, um, it's, it's quite rare for people to be around for over 10 years yeah uh, i was also gonna say yeah i stopped when i entered about when i was around high school because i was like well i'm in high school now i'm too old for legos haha <laughs> 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 but that's a that's kind of a foolish not really foolish it's like the exact kind of mentality you expect a person in high school to have <laughs> when they're kind of like you know self-conscious about how people may perceive them or this or that but then you kind of like get out of that and you kind of like wait that meant that whole four years I just lived don't really mean much now. I mean, sure, it was vital to the development as a human being. Yeah. But everybody else um, in that sort of circle that I saw every day, I don't see anymore at all. So there's no real... There should have never been anything to fear, is essentially what I'm trying to say. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I get what you mean. But it's hard to get out of that mindset when you're in high school, man. Because that's like... Or like when you're in school in general... Because you see the same people every day. It's pretty much like, it's almost like inescapable. But when you're out of it, it feels so small. It's crazy. Yeah, I've got a similar sort of story where, I mean, I never fully stopped brick filling, but I've got like a couple of years where I look back on it now and I feel like, why didn't I make anything? You know, I've got nothing to show for these years. It's a sad reality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's kind of funny for me. Um, when, I started when I started university uh, a couple of years ago, um, like I was there was a phase where I was kind of like um, really uh, worried about like my, uh, I guess image, I suppose it would be the right word. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's kind of like, um, you know, you, you worry about people finding out about like, Oh, you do all these brick films and stuff. But when you get to that sort of level, we get to like college or university. It's kind of like um, people don't actually mind. They think it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very, it's a very weird how it gets flipped up on its head. <laughs> yeah but it's yeah <laughs> like i'm in the same like you know people who i thought would have made fun of me back in the day are like hey this is cool i'm like why couldn't you say this earlier dog <laughs> but thank you <laughs> it's usually better just to, to sort of just say that you're a stop motion animator before you mention that you you do it with lego <laughs> yeah that's uh that's also a good point point. <laughs> <laughs> and then once you show them what you do do they all they won't think about the lego side of it they'll look at the fact that it's actually really cool <laughs> you know it's strange how you know lego as a product doesn't really seem like it's confined to a single age group or anything um it's just i guess marketing right that kind of like gives people a perception nowadays i think it's probably about i think it's as much of a, a thing for adults as it is for children like you've got the Affol uh, community. Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, everything is for adults. They've certainly <laughs> tried to do a lot more direct marketing to adults recently. Which I'm, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, but but I, I'm I'm still waiting for my, the uh, Breaking Bad uh, theme. <laughs> the Breaking Bad Legos. <laughs> they had some already movie scenes, didn't they already? To Lego. Uh, 
I I imagine that that would be a bit of a cutoff for them, but PG thirteen for sure. I mean, Jurassic Park is like probably I don't want to say that's the closest they've gotten, but Jurassic Park is pretty violent for a Lego thing. Yeah, but it, it, it's like one of those set. those movies that's kind of in that weird like gray area where even though it's violent, it's still recognized as like a family movie. <laughs> it's like a PG thirteen, isn't it? It's a bit like the Indiana Jones movies they kind of just downplay the whole kind of like the i guess the adult side of it a bit more to make it more kid friendly when it comes to the actual marketing of like lego and stuff that makes sense but when you look deeper into it with like especially the indiana jones line because i forgot about that but the indiana jones movies like they had nazis in them. <laughs> that's about as crazy dark as you can get yeah that's true and lego was like hey yo check this out <laughs> but you know like when people were suggesting that they make lego star wars there was people high up in Lego who said they'd never do that because it was wars. You know, there was like guns and stuff. Mm, yes, makes sense. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's like in that weird reality in which we kind of know we're not going to experience that, at least not in our lifetimes. So we're not really scared of it. Yeah, but yeah, it's, 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 it's such a funny story now, though, because like Lego Star Wars basically kept them afloat while they were losing a load of money. Yeah. Thank, thank you, Lego Star Wars, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but I was kind of surprised by Lego Overwatch. Oh, that is a good point. Yeah, that is a that's a very video games in general is something that is something that I feel like Lego should really take much more advantage of. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. But... I, I'm now I'm now trying to think like in, in my head now like what kind of themes because there must be a theme of some sort which is more adult. But I'm just trying to think. <laughs> I, I mean, Stranger <laughs> Stranger Things is actually quite. Oh uh, yeah. That's true. It's like just like hid inside, but for adults. Yeah. <laughs> but so, um, so if you were brick filming in 2009, I'm guessing you must have been seeing some, uh, either some classics or some, just or say some not it. so just classics. Say it, bro. So, like, <laughs> what what kind of stuff? They were all 1,000% forest <laughs> There's no way around it. Like, well, you and like a hundred thousand others. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you know, uh, when you're when you're starting out, you're still kind of like looking for an identity. You're not really looking. You're just kind of like, you know, trying to see what works or you're imitating what you like because you like oh, it. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think we've all imitated stuff over the years. <laughs> I think that's also like true when you get to like any level of filmmaking at all or storytelling. Is it, At any point, you're doing an imitation of what you've seen before and what you definitely enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm. But you have such a like, you've refined it to the point where you can call it your statement. Yeah, you can, yeah, there's... You can see the influence, but it's not just a ripoff. Yeah, it's like you're def you're genuinely adding um, new ingredients to the table. I do generally believe that when it comes to people starting, whether it be just like brick films or just films in general, people's sort of interest going into it is the 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 style of someone. It, it's that kind of that's what they want to kind of like do. They they like they're inspired by like the style of a certain film or a certain filmmaker and they want to kind of um, mimic that before they actually kind of develop what their actual style is I guess if that makes sense yes yeah no that makes that makes perfect sense I think the, what I the way I see it is like when you see like a sick movie when you're a kid um, and you're like oh my god I want to see it again but there's no way to see it again because it's like 2007 the internet's not really a thing yet so you just kind of film like, you know, like with whatever toys you have, you film the scene you just saw so you can try and rewatch it over and over again. But it has like your flavor to it, which makes it that much more appealing to you 
as the creator. Yeah, I think that's a good point, considering the amount of uh, like Star Wars recreations over the years and people doing full movie recreations occasionally. Full movie recreations. There, there, when are we going to see Killer Bean forever? <laughs> I'm sure there's a couple see, of that people. would be something. <laughs> that, that'll be the next Brick Film Day community project. Can you, can you imagine? Because that was made by one person. Oh man, the Killer Bean collab. <laughs> imagine though, it, it would actually be kind of cool if, um, you know, like this like Shrek reanimated. What if Brick Filmers did the Lego movie reanimated and not to the same, that would be, not that would to be... the same standard. Like everyone does it to their own, you know, standard. So you don't have to like build the big sets and mm. all. Nothing crazy, just like just pure like um, homemade. Yeah, yeah, just just like how Shrek reanimated. You know, it it bounces all over the place. Shrek retold was a classic. The one, the moment I saw the opening and the dudes like on the ukulele, singing oh, yeah. the acoustic version of All Star, I was like, I know this is something else. <laughs> I know that they're they're actually, um, are they trying to develop um, Shrek two? You mean Shrek? The best one. Oh, they're doing. They're redoing Shrek 2, I didn't know that. I think so, yeah. Can't wait for the ending, the I Need a Hero scene. <laughs> yeah. See how they do that. <laughs> that scene is a bona fide classic. It's crazy how much I rewatched that scene. Shrek 2 is a good soundtrack. Everything about it. Shrek 2 is a good movie. Yeah, I feel yeah, like people is. say that as a meme, but Shrek 2 is a great movie. Maybe maybe it's become more of a meme in recent years, but like people used to always cite Shrek 2 as a great sequel years ago. It is it is an amazing movie. And I know it's like I think it's like people say that with genuinity, but they also like say it like for the meme as well. Yeah. But, I but think it's, it's incredible. Like you know there were certain there were certain films and things which are memed but out of the love of the thing. Like I think Shrek is one of those. I think Yes, and like SpongeBob. Yeah, SpongeBob is a prime example of that as well. It's like yeah, that people um, meme it for the affection rather than like I don't know Shark Tale. <laughs> <laughs> Shark Tale is nobody loves Shark Tale. Make fun of that. So I suppose another good question to follow on from talking about the the early years would be that uh, how did you get back into brick filming? Was it through your own decision, or did you see other stuff and get back into it? Um. So at, so at that point, I was really just into just like making videos. Um. Like, in high school, although I stopped brick filming, I didn't really stop making videos in general. I would make, like, Let's Plays and stuff. And then later on in high school, I was in my media arts class. And every week, we would, like, you know, put on a show for the entire school to see on the TVs. And that was sick because we essentially, you know, like, we had to say something. Like, like our teacher would be like, okay, you have to do, like, uh, it's Earth Day. You got to make something for Earth Day. But within that restriction, we pretty much could do whatever we want. And I remember there was one for, like, we made a video for littering. And it was like, this guy was littering around the school. So a couple of guys literally just go like on a police chase against him. And there was like lasers flying everywhere. And, and then like, and like people were talking about it after class. I'm like, this is sick. Um, and then I went to film school after that. Cause I was like really into video making at that point. And film school was nothing like media arts class. <laughs> media arts class was the Chad and film school was not the Chad. Um, <laughs> it was... It was two hours away every day, and I had to bus there. So I like so like for an eight a.m. class, I had to wake up at five a.m. And it was like all theory. It was mostly it was mostly theory, but it wasn't even theory that I wanted to know. It was like hmm. this is what, uh, what's it called? I can't even remember what's called. It's called trans transmedia or whatever. There'd be like a three hour lecture of a professor explaining what happened during the Dark Knight Press release tour, and I'm like, I do not care about this. <laughs> And I'm like, why are you showing me YouTube videos? Why are you? Why am I coming all the way from my suburban town to your suburban town? That's three hours away, two hours away, 
so you could show me YouTube videos on the big screen, or you can go on nofilmschool.com and give me readings from that website. <laughs> I'm paying $10,000 a year for this. And I couldn't, and I wasn't really making stuff um, because everybody lived in that town and I lived in not that town. I had to, you know, bus here and there. So if I wanted to make stuff, I'd have to like sign up the equipment um, and take it all the way home. And carrying around like a, a huge, like $3,000, $4,000 worth of equipment on the bus around like 8, 8, 8 p.m., 9 p.m. <laughs> to my small town, I'm a skinny guy. So I'm not like, I'm not taking on anyone in a fight. So that was not an option for me. So when I was like really feeling creatively starved, when I haven't really made something I wanted to make in a while, I decided to bust out my old Legos. And I was like, what can I make with these? You know, I have some experience with them. And I kind of got, and I slowly started getting back into stop motion, sort of making things out of the frustration that I felt while being in film school, um, as well as, you know, getting more into claymation and stuff. And around the time they started getting popular is around the time I started getting really fed up with film school. And I was like, I am tired of this. I feel like I'm wasting so much money on just on food, on the bus, on just not really learning anything that I didn't already know or that I couldn't find on my own online for free. And that was the biggest issue with it. Although I love the people there, um, quite a quite a few good friends. It just wasn't worth $40,000 of debt that I didn't even know how I was going to clear up. Yeah. Um, so I kind of, so like once, once I noticed the YouTube channel started getting more and more steam, I was like, maybe I can do something with this um, and, you know, kind of have my cake and eat it too and jump ship from, uh, from film school. And that's pretty much how I got back into brick coming. And you certainly yeah, were I, successfully. It blew up fast. It, I want to say it was like definitely luck, but that first initial spark where the solid snake is dummy thick video, when that kind of got popular, that's when I figured how can I take this and make sure I don't lose the momentum. Mm. And that's, you know, when you get into the whole uploading every week, which also helps because I find myself having a uh, low attention span for projects. If I find myself working on something for too long, I find myself getting starting to get burned out by it. Um, so having something fresh every week also really helps keeping like, you know, my mind stimulated and active. Yeah, I think I think that's that's a good point actually. Yeah, I know that I made the just the Lego Studios history video that I just made. That was all basically like all over the last couple of months. I mean, I've been working on it like slowly for years, but then re yeah, really edited the video it. all in one go. And it would probably <laughs> would have taken so much longer if I'd taken a break and then come back to it and thought like, oh, there's still so much to do. The way I did it, I had no time to stop and think about it. But I'm it's a good video, man. It's it's really enjoyable. Really good to watch. The narration's like solid <laughs> and so engaging. I do want to say because I, I I want to talk about the uh, the video in like great length. But before we actually do, I just wanted to um, reiterate on what you were just saying um, a minute ago about the whole like film school thing. I mean, uh, actually, as as of today, I've literally just finished um, the second year of um, of my film school. And, oh man! <laughs> uh, God, the the stuff that you said really hit home. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to be like this whole film school doesn't work for anybody kind of person because it does. It it can definitely yeah. work for you if you're in the right like in the right spot. Um, but for me, per, like personally, it was like everything was going against me because I didn't have really money to live near there, and yeah. I didn't really have like because I had to work back at home, and I didn't really have connections either like something i noticed about the people around me is that these people were, were like i don't want to say rich but like they were definitely of a higher social economic class and it felt like they got everything just a little bit easier which kind of gave me a chip on the shoulder too mm. um although it's not their fault you know i don't blame them as the person it's just it's it's kind of like demoralizing to see people get like you know work 
nearly half as hard as you do, but get twice the opportunities. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I kind of uh, find uh, f- kind of frustrating, like with the co- my course, is that there is a lot of like, uh, so as you said, like theory, and there's a lot of classes where it's mostly just kind of watching clips on YouTube, and and it's like, and it's stuff like a lot of it is not stuff which is hugely that complex but also as well it kind of feels like the te- they just don't know how to actually teach um and it's kind of just like i don't know a lot of the time i don't feel like i'm we're actually making that many films and the the frustrating thing uh, this semester was that um you know you've had all of that kind of a couple of years now of like uh kind of learning like your craft and like when it comes to like the like I'm really into cinematography, so I've I've kind of learnt the kind of the inside and outs of like the camera and stuff. And I was really like looking forward to being like the cinematographer. And there was this project which I was really looking forward to to doing. And then um, COVID nineteen mm-hmm. comes along, uh... <laughs> and then everything's cancelled. But yeah, that that sucks because like I do feel like the best way to learn is to make stuff. Exactly, yeah. that's what I felt too. And so, like, I feel I feel the best way to learn is to really get into yeah, it. Yeah, like every every new project I make, it feel like I you just get better. Yeah, you and just better. get better. You learn. You learn things. You, know? you, you practically don't even have to like consciously think about it, but you you accidentally learn stuff. You compare you compare the stuff you made earlier to the stuff you're making now, and think, well, I did this better, or like I could do that better next yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole kind of like at least the first year of university where I'd made a lot of brick films, which I was really proud of. Um, and then I would be making these films and, you know, you're, you're with people who aren't like hugely that experienced and you're not particularly that experienced on the live action side of things and on the specific like craft. And it's kind of just like, I don't feel like I'm proving myself, but I've got so many, there's so many films out there where I feel like I have, but I just would rather be making them right now. You know, <laughs> it's, know it's... it's true. Like the thing about, I think the biggest issue with film school is that it's so lenient on the school side of it. But at the end of the day, I don't think people say that it's mostly useful for finding connections in the industry. Hmm. But that's also another issue I felt is that I don't think I want to be in the industry. <laughs> I don't like the bureaucracy, you know, all the politics that go into it, although real world politics is a whole different matter. But like the thing about the film industry is that at the end of the day, it's a business first. And that really can kill a lot of a lot of motivation and creativity. Yeah. Hmm. They are quite like in. I think there's a one of the our tutors who's um, like the, to do with producing. He says there are like two types of films. There is the kind of the creative projects which you know people want to actually make, and then there's the products. And I think that, that you have to make. Yeah, I think the vast majority of of films that you see like being you know, like the Hollywood films generally are they are products. That's first. kind of the point. <laughs> yeah, they they fund they fund those art house projects. Yeah, but even getting to work on those like the the things you want to make, it's kind of it, it can be kind of tough. Um, just because you know, like sometimes, like you know, sometimes studios won't let you do a certain thing, or you won't have as much control as you would like. And when when it comes to like you know what you're creating, um, it can be kind of like just kind of difficult to work around all the red tape. Yeah, even on a like even on a small scale level, like previously I, I've. I'd considered entering some of the like uh, Lego the Rebrick contests, but I just completely lost any will to enter because like you were just trying to make an idea that fit to all these 
external guidelines and what you think somebody else wants. That's exactly what it is, yeah. Hmm. When I, like, handed in assignments in film school and, I you know, you get the rubric back, it's like, um, everybody felt this, but it's like, who are we making this for? You know, are we making yeah. this because we want to make something good or are we making something for the teacher's standards? <laughs> well, that's the a thing lot is, of us found like, yeah. That's the thing as well. It's like one of the things like you, you go through several seminars and you're developing your story and you feel that you're happy with the, the story that you've developed with your group. And then you've got like the tutor kind of like completely um, breaking it apart and saying that, you know, it should be X, Y and Z. And it kind of just like it, it, it kind of... Uh, it lowers your confidence in your creativity, but also it kind of um, it kind of feels like you're making their film rather than your own. Exactly. Um, it's just kind of like oh, I don't know. It's just <laughs> at the same time they kind of criticize you for kind of like doing exactly what they say. <laughs> that also is like so tricky too. It's like you told me to do it like this. Why are you? Why am I like losing marks? Why are? Why am I more concerned about? the grade rather than what I'm actually producing. Yeah. I know it's... <laughs> but um, when you mentioned your old username there and I thought it sounded remarkably familiar for some reason and I just, uh, I searched it on the wiki. Oh my god, if you get, if you get this, oh my god. Uh, and did you enter the 24-hour animation contest 8? Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, um, which one was that? 2010. 10? I was 11. And the, <laughs> so the film... <laughs> The ambition of one. Ambition. This is before I watched Breaking Bad, actually, so you can't say it's a ripoff of Breaking Bad. Uh, well, I can't see it at all. <laughs> it's missing, apparently. Oh, it is? It is on YouTube. Well, maybe it's blocked for copyright or something. No, I think what happened was, at some point, I was embarrassed, um, and I privated them all, uh, so nobody could ever, like, see them and make fun of me. <laughs> um, but then I was like, but then a few years later, I'm like... That's oh, yeah, kinda... it is there. Yeah. Um, let me just Let me just undo all that. <laughs> Okay, because <laughs> it was it, on my list. It was listed as missing because I collect all the tag. Maybe entries. that's why I'm missing, because it was privated. Well, that's for for a few months, for a few years. Plus one for my tag collection. <laughs> <laughs> I love how like the the podcast, you know, it it, it does this kind of thing. You know, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's not it's not a great edition, mind you. <laughs> but I was eleven. But yeah, um, I guess we were, we were just about to start talking about the. Uh, the Lego Studios um, film um, that you just you just released, Penta. Certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, was that like? Took you, did it take about a year to make? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, I wasn't really like working on it a lot last year. Um, I was doing Tiger Trouble Two stuff and playing Minecraft as we all were. <laughs> Virtual Legos. <laughs> we're going to get the Minecraft in Minecraft brick them. But I did. I Actually, the David Pagano interview was from like earlier last year. So I was doing mm. stuff for the video. And the funny thing is that uh, like earlier this year, like a January or February or something, you know, I was talking with David Pagano again and I was saying like, okay, I've got, I've, I'm, you know, I've got the edit coming along now and I'd like to have a section on uh, a day at the races, his coolest home video contest entry. So I asked him if he could get the, the full film. And he said, oh yeah, I'll just go to my parents' house and get it. And then, like, you know, shortly after that, everything went crazy and New York is on lockdown. <laughs> oh, so man. that was the end of that. <laughs> so he couldn't... Wait, was he able to get no, it? No, not yet. Uh, but, uh. I, but I had, like, three shots from it that I could show. 
So I basically I, I was, have to work around only that. having a tiny amount to use. I was going to actually ask, because in the interview he says that he hasn't seen it, mm-hmm. and I was thinking, but you do actually have it. Have it. Yeah, well, I was wondering if you actually... <laughs> th- there, was, there was a tape sent to the finalists of the contest that had... It had the winners in full and the other 47 finalists, like just a very brief snippet of all of them. And he ah. he had transferred that one and sent it to me. So I had a tiny bit of his film and a tiny bit of everyone else's film. And the funny thing is, his film is one of the ones that they showed the least of. <laughs> like some of them have a, a, a really <laughs> a healthy number of shots, but his one is only there for a split second. So I had barely anything to use. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that's that's got a that's got a sting just a bit, it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it's I certainly was uh, trolled by that big time, but you know it'll make the when he, when he does get the full film and hopefully puts it up online, it'll be uh, all the more interesting. If only they knew how big Dave Pagano would be. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the same story for this Lego Studios contest. The the nine finalists were sent a tape that had all the finalist films in full. And so I got to transfer that. And that's how I got the, the contest winners and finalists. Because before that, only only two of the nine finalists were online. And none of the winners were available. My god. This is actually like a, a public service. <laughs> <laughs> and also, tracking down the tape was like... It was an absolute bitch. I was, I was after <laughs> that for years. Like, no joke. I was... I, you know, found a couple of people, a couple of finalists who had it. And, and I'd just be contacting them like every six months or something like... I'm still waiting for the tape. Please send it. The catharsis, the catharsis you must have felt getting those tapes. Oh my god, yeah, it was insane. <laughs> and the funny thing was, like, I got it eventually from David Pagano, and like, shortly after that, I got it from uh, Eric Sturpey, who was one of the contest winners, who, who I'd been like, oh. who I'd been, you know, contacting for like over a year, and he was like, oh, you know, I just moved house. <laughs> 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 You'll never guess what I found. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, but I contacted him first when he was... He just so happened to be on his way to his parents' house. And... Which is, like, oh, insanely wow. good timing. Because he took all of these pictures of a bunch of documents and things related to the contest that are in the video. You know, like, the... There's pic- screen caps of the website from the time. And, uh, like, a s- screening list for the Backyard Festival. Which, you know, only people who were there would have had that. So it was insanely lucky that I managed to contact him when I did. But but he brought his he brought the tape from his parents' house back to his house. But then at some point moved house and like it you know it was always just seemed to be bad timing. <laughs> but eventually, of course, I got the the tape twice. The vindication at last. Yeah. <laughs> I mean there's one of the things I find quite interesting, I think when you're kind of like un- digging through and trying to find um that information, um there's there's also like certain contests that um, hardly everyone anyone actually knew uh, knew exi- happened, mm-hmm. and they're like uh, I think there's the one in uh, Singapore. Sing- yeah, the Singapore um, one was insane. I had yeah. no idea about that because the, the, <laughs> the studio's website had all the winners for the various contests, but I can't remember. I don't think the Singapore ones didn't say like what they were for, so I had no idea why they were there. Like I just assumed they must have been just a small handful of other entries to the studios contest that they put there for some reason. So then eventually when I discovered the Singapore contest and like it, it put those ones that were, had been on the archives of the website in context, that was a good moment. Hmm. For it fitting this, like, you know, the jigsaw pieces mm-hmm. together, isn't it? And there's seemingly only one live source online that mentions the Singapore contest. So it's super lucky. Wow. Tracking all that down, 
it has to be like some sort of like detective work. <laughs> I I do feel like uh, yeah, there there's a certain set of skills involved that you could transfer <laughs> over into something else. It's like the Liam Neeson speech, <laughs> but just <Yeah>. with like. <laughs> I don't know who you are, but I will find your brick films, and I will post them on. <laughs> <laughs> it must be the the like the the Irish side of uh, brick filming. <laughs> then, of course, basically, like some of the essentially the the crown jewels of the video are having the information as to who made Dino Cop and the the um, CD films, oh, yeah. which you know, for like close to two decades, people in brick filming have been wondering who made these. I I I was actually gonna ask like how did you how did you find uh, come across like the the people that like created Dino Cop and stuff? What was the sort of like process of getting in contact with them? Uh, insanely great difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> and and the two of them like they had no overlap, so they were each two different long long searches. You know, I'd just be trying wow. to Google any possible combination of anything, and I'd email anybody I could possibly think of like you know if anybody was on LinkedIn listed as like Lego audiovisual or whatever I'd try them or emailing people of Lego Systems America because I knew the Dinocop ad was American specifically and you know they all said I've got no idea <laughs> I, th- oh man nothing, I don't know anything about this and, th- and or they'd, they'd say like oh it's it's probably Reckless Abandoned Studios who did these other things for Lego they did these like VHS tapes uh the big nana bird and uh, the Wheelersville Moo Cow Mystery, these like Duplo and 4 Plus stop motion films. But of course, it wasn't them. But it was good information to get anyway. But um, yeah, the, the funny thing about the, the CD films like Jewel Quest and Jurassic Park and stuff is that I'd, I managed to track down one person who remembered that the films were made in Denmark. and But that's like pretty much the only information they had. And so, you know, I'd try searching Denmark Animation Studios and looking at their websites and looking at archives and it it just seemed to lead nowhere. And and I, I was trying this for ages in, all, in as many possible combinations as I could think of. And then eventually I just decided, like, Denmark's a pretty small country and stop motion is pretty niche. So, like, how many professional stop motion animators can there be in Denmark? So I just decided, I thought it would, I definitely thought it would not work. But I put into Google stop motion animator Denmark and I just clicked on someone's portfolio website and put it into archive.org and then and that's how I found the Bastrop Trick film lead. Their website oh, mentioned wow. that they were My an animator <laughs> for the films and animated them at Bastrop Trick film. Sometimes it's just a hunch, you know? <laughs> but it's crazy how much, like, no matter what, like, type of leads you get, at the end of the day, it can just be something completely arbitrary. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I had to get the lead that it was Denmark to be able to do that. So it was worth, you know, contacting everyone. You never know where it leads to. Yeah, yeah, and you have to try everything, even if it sounds stupid. Oh man, huh. I mean, it's it it just reminds me so much of these stories you hear about, like, because um, I I I really I'm obsessed with like lost media and that kind of stuff. Those sort of cases I always find really fascinating. Um, and you know, you see stuff on YouTube about like the journeys people have had to make to kind of like. Um, you know, go through the internet and dig oh, through yeah. and try and find like the, contacts the, and stuff. The Clock King. That, that's yes. one yeah. famous piece yeah. of lost media. That kind of thing I always find is really fascinating. Like, this idea that there's, like, um, some sort of, you know, uh, something that was on TV that a couple of people can remember. And it's like, 
oh yeah, you just try and find like someone that has a copy of it. You know, it's just I find that stuff really fascinating. It's like they're like ghost stories. You know, <laughs> it's like do they exist? Do they not? It's it's like it's incredible. And another one that I I got only in like the last month or two was uh, the a bunch of the films that were on the Lego Studios website that were user submitted because most of them are missing. Uh, and I, I'd been, you know, hunting for years trying to scrape together a few more of them. I think, I think it's we started with like two located and managed to get four of them. But then eventually, I managed <laughs> to get in contact with the uh, creative director of the website, and I was like, I know this is an absolute long shot, but is there any chance that you still have the film files from the website from back then? And he had a a large number of them, and most of the missing ones, almost all of them, in fact. Oh. So it's pretty incredible. I wonder if there'll ever be like these cases of like you know the brick film creepypastas. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but then, of course, the funny yeah. thing is they only appear in the video for like one second each. But like, I'm very happy to know that they're all in there. Oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just crazy. I think it's quite mad, like how you know this is like 20 years ago now. Yeah. It's like. You know, not that long ago, you kind of just thought of it as being like, oh, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, that's hardly anything. But like now it's like, it's like a huge part of, yeah, it's like a huge part of history. And, and it's kind of like, there are so many people like, you know, the, the current and sort of next phase of brick filmers who weren't even born then. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just crazy. Yeah. And like, it's really getting to the point where, yeah, like now it's properly old to the point where you wouldn't expect people to still have their files. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of funny because like when you think about like the the previous um, episodes you've done about like the the 70s to the 90s um, it, you know it's the, it's what you consider like the primitive sort of prehistory yeah. of prehistory of yeah that's what I, I really it. like that term you kind of think of everything after that as being kind of more recent but in reality the uh, Lego Studios era is now a, a really long time ago too and I think one of the things that um, I think you can easily kind of uh, lump the Lego Studios era with the BrickFilms.com era as almost like a one thing because they do kind of intertwine, but it is actually a, pr- a very different era, really. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a very short, short-lived era, it's definitely a, an era in its own right. Well, the thing is, like, yeah, with studios, there was a lot of people who weren't posting their stuff online, making stuff with studios, and then you know you see some of them appear online later, like Coovers or Nathan Wells. Hmm. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's an entirely different crowd, and that was actually something that I really wanted to do with the video is to not just rely on like having the old brickfilms.com directory films. I wanted to make sure that like total randomers are represented, like people who weren't ever known names, who weren't ever part of the community. Because you know that's very you important. Get the whole history yeah, in there. It's important of the history of studios. It's interesting to see just how like you know how big and sprawling the history of brick films really is. It's like the, it's like a whole complete other world that. A lot of people just don't even like know. Yeah, and I, and I think it's hmm. important to to document it all and to to let it have a, a storied history. Because you know, maybe people would lore. Maybe people would aspire to make something great enough that it might be you know documented as part of the history in years to come. We're going through a historic event right now. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like I feel like there is actually you know a lot of people are saying there's going to be a lot of um like. In the 2020s, we're going to see a lot of quarantine-based movies or whatever that's playing off that fear of isolation. But, I mean, like, we're already seeing that now with, like, brick films. That's true. But, you know, that that is if we see any movies in the 2020s. 
<laughs> yeah, you get the the COVID twenty twenty nine, you know. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but the the funny thing is, like, for the brick filming community, being stuck at home actually <laughs> is ideal. <laughs> Because it means that we can actually brick film. <laughs> that makes sense. Although I feel like it's also important having having you know your like your normal life is also like very important to just kind of recharge you for for doing. You can't do the same thing for too long. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, I think because we're people. Oftentimes, being away from it is one of the best motivators. Exactly. Yeah, I mean that's what I kind of find with uh, when I'm in university is that um, I kind of don't really have the time uh or the, or the patience at least to kind of like do both things i think it's generally better just to give break from a break um for a while while i'm in, in university so uh it comes to like this point in time of year and usually i'm very active within brick filming and you know once it goes back and once it circles around again and i get a break from university i feel kind of refreshed and ready to start brick filming again that's um, the thing about people Sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> um, Tell us that's about, the thing people. about people. Okay, so no human is meant to do the same thing over and over and over again every day, day in, day out. Yet we're expect. Okay, I'm not gonna. Go into this. This, is too, this is too political for for a brick filmer podcast. Oh, we were about to get enlightened. Um, it's it's like, so you can't expect to do the same thing over and over because people get burned out. You know, people are. You get tired. You need constant breaks from literally everything, even things that people might perceive as fun. Why do you think the phrase "I need a vacation from this vacation" exists? Because you can't be doing the same thing over and over again, or too much of a good um, thing. Exactly. But yet mm. we're expected to you're, we're expected to do so, or you know, die. <laughs> and it's like, dog, are these really my only choices? <laughs> All right. Sorry about that. <laughs> we can like go on with the yeah. With the rest yeah. Of the Being movie. alive is kind of cringe, to be honest. <laughs> oh man what is yeah i think it's true like you have to kind of like take a break from not live too much by a routine because i think you get you there is also the danger of like you become too set in that routine that you never kind of move on in life eventually you just go on autopilot yeah uh, as much as you may enjoy kind of being where you are now like do you want to kind of still be in the exact place that you are now in like 20 years you know still being like the the 20 the 20 year olds that's brick filming but like 40 year olds you know i don't know <laughs> although it's fine to like you know keep parts of your past prevalent you also have to keep moving forward as a person yeah like for me the way i look at the future i mean i kind of always want to have brick filming as part of my life but i think having the kind of the breaks of like you know this is a time where i'm going to be brick filming and then i'll take I'll take a break from it is kind of a healthy healthy way of, of living i think I know I'm saying this to someone who <laughs> does a, a one brick from a week, so I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, all of it, like, what you're saying is true. You gotta keep going, but you can't keep going doing the exact same thing. Otherwise, you'll go crazy. Or you'll just, you know, um, go on autopilot, which is probably just as bad. Because then, at that point, you pretty much just stunt your growth as a person. Yeah, you, I mean, you end up becoming the Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, actually. That's a, that's a very eloquent way to put it. To put it. <laughs> It's so metaphorical. Oh yeah, so I guess going back, uh, steering it slightly back to uh, Lego Studios, because I think I've still got a bit more I could probably say. Um, one of the things I was, I was curious about is, did you actually get a chance to um, play around with the webcam? I actually didn't. 
I didn't. Oh. <laughs> I haven't tried it out. I mean, you know, I was I was happy to be showing other people's stuff as the examples that I was using. Hmm. Well, do you have a Lego Studio set of your own? Yeah, I mean, the, most of the set footage that I show in my video, I recorded that myself very quickly. Oh, like the the puppetry and stuff. Yeah. Oh, like the whole idea of puppetry and brick filming is actually something I did not know about <laughs> until I watched until I watched your video, and that's actually like a really unique, um, and interesting way to sort of showcase things. Because it's not done too often nowadays, especially. I think the closest we get is I'm reminded of Panta Hat in that one video he made, um, the Skyrim, where he like throws the Lego piece down, mm. yeah, and that's captured on video, and that's like kind of like puppetry. But we gotta bring puppetry back. Yeah, I feel like it had a negative connotation for many people, like uh, as if it's just inherently uh, the easy way out. Even though it's often really hard to actually get the shot in live action. You have to really set things up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're putting a, putting a lot of effort into something that people might think is, is you being lazy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I, I've always liked doing that. You know, like a, a lot of films I make have one or two obvious live action shots that are just funny looking, like in parallel. They are, that's the thing. The, the humor comes from the sort of like break yeah. in, uh, in the motion. It's like in SpongeBob. When they, they, uh... when they do the thing, when they go like above water. Yeah. Yeah. Or there's like some extreme close up in a completely different art style. <laughs> There was that um, brick film um, that uh, Sanjiro did last year, a donut, um, which had a lot of uh, like puppetry in it, which it kind of just added to the kind of absurdity of the uh, of the brick film. And it actually, it really just it had a lot of charm, I think. And it's a great comedic look. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it really is funny, to, like to sort of break up the pacing. It reminds me of this one brick film. I forget who it's from, but it's about a haircut. It's like a hair. I think it was a Thack um, from this year. Uh, but they'd have like like they'd like zoom into the minifigure extremely close, and that would be like and then like when they get close enough, they'd replace the entire minifigure by bricks by brick building it, and like they'd just snip off a piece of hair. Oh yeah, I think Hoverfrog Films made that. Oh, it's a great it's a, it's a it's a great example of like you know sort of changing the aesthetic in the middle of a film that really like lends itself to being funny. Like you said, SpongeBob does it a lot. Yeah, I love the, I love the stuff people are doing with scales recently. Brick filming as a whole, I like. Uh, it's been getting a, like. A lot more advanced. Mm -hmm. It's like we hit the industrial age or the <laughs> industrial revolution. I think that, um, you know, we've got to a point now where most people are at least to some degree quite impressive. <laughs> mm -hmm. And you kind of have to try and find new ways of being super impressive. And I guess, I don't know. There's a lot of like techniques. Not, not so which, much super uh, impressive, but novel. Yeah, that's that's the, that's what, that's what, yeah. Like it's, it's kind of just being kind of uh, just unique and... I like brick films where they have a sort of technique where you just think, huh, I never thought you could do that, you know, or that's actually really clever, you know. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a byproduct of like modern day internet culture, which is ironic because most of it is pretty much regurgitating like the same joke over and over again. But I find like, but, but the thing is, when you get to like, to, like to sort of really weird layers of it, where it's just throwing whatever on, on Photoshop and it just works. I think you can apply uh, that same principle sort of applies to a lot of brick films today in which a lot of people just have these really sort of out there concepts. They're sort of like, I don't want to say desensitized because that's, that's not really the right word, but they're used to seeing so much of these out, like really out of this world context or, or ideas because they're exposed to it so much more in this day and age. I've been happy to see people appreciating films that might be like low frame rate kind of janky but but you can see this this real creativity regardless like it's, it's, it's shining through it's like you know you know it's a part of like what they're going for yeah but but not even so much that like they they might just you know not be 
skilled yet, but you can still see that the there's creativity going into it. And you know, I feel like uh, like ten years ago or more, uh, the responses to brick films it was always like, oh, the the camera got bumped or the light is flickering. Uh, it was like <laughs> you got the same few criticisms every single time, and it it felt as if like people could only appreciate a brick film if you ironed out the camera bumps and ironed out the light flicker and just a couple of these like rigid the same things over and over again and it was like they, they wouldn't even consider the ideas in the film but now people do more so I think I think that um, a little bit of imperfection sometimes you kind of just sort of like just like just continue just move on like I find quite often I'll accidentally bump the camera ever so slightly and I'll just ignore it oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's like not anymore, the hardest yeah. thing to ignore. You be- because I think that's it's, something you become desensitized to. I think it's in, in a way, it's kind of like, if the animator's going to ignore it, then you do too. <laughs> I mean, I do try and, like, if it's noticeable, I'll just try and fix it in Vegas. But, you know, it's, yeah, it's not I mean, perfect. So, but, but yeah, I, Sometimes it can be too much. I just kind of, it just doesn't bother me, really. Like, yeah. it's just a little but thing. But I think that's also something that we realize about each other as well is that you know we're not machines yeah we're not gonna make like 100 percent every time it's like how in stop motion you can see the fingerprints on the characters and you know that's, that's or like the dust particles just part of knowing that like somebody actually made this it does add to the charm people like that human edge don't yeah. they you know it's i mean one of the things i really like about um Ardman is when they have real world elements that are there or like things like water is like thin pieces of plastic you know that kind of thing it's it kind of reminds me of um of the Benny and Lee brick films, like you know the wall, <laughs> the famous wall. <laughs> yeah. But like just having that human element, that's like it's like it doesn't look like it belongs, but that kind of like brings you back. Oh yeah, a real person made this, and that's what makes I feel like that's what also makes uh, brick filming so much more appealing, is the fact that behind each of these projects is usually just one or two people. I really like that the the bricks of the Benny and Lee set have gotten more yellowed and filthy over time. <laughs> I wouldn't ever clean them or replace them <laughs> but yeah like that's part of I prefer the look of Ardman stuff over Leica stuff because Leica stuff seems to be you know smoothed so far that it basically just looks like CG hmm. I mean in a lot of ways there is so much CG elements that it kind of it becomes I guess less human yeah I suppose although I do like art, Leica's art style much more I mean, I really like Leica as well, um, you know, <laughs> the style, but, uh, but yeah, I, I mean... I, th- I think, like, looking at something like, uh, like Wallace and Gromit, although it's classic, there's something about making clay people. It can be very strange to make them look, like, appealing. Ironically enough, my sister's actually, like, has a phobia of stop-motion animation, <laughs> um, despite being a photographer, but she can literally never, like, like, I will try to get her to watch, like, the number before Christmas, and she's like, I can't watch this, this is scary, turn it off. I'm like... But uh... <laughs> there is actually, yeah, there is, there is a lot of people who genuinely don't like uh, stop motion. Like, I think it's a lot of people kind of think it was kind of creepy. Um, it's that uncanny way they move sometimes, especially yeah, like, in older films. Yeah, like there's like old children's programs from like the the fifties and sixties and stuff like that, which uh, they kind of Those have that un- me out. uncanny valley kind of vibes. Yeah, exactly. Most things from, like, the 50s and 60s are kind of creepy anyway. <laughs> I suppose it is uh, It is very different being an, being a stop-motion animator and seeing old stop-motion stuff. Like, if you watch like the 1933 King Kong, 
You know, if you make oh stop motion, you're like, oh my god, this is amazing. They made this in 1933. But if, if you if you aren't a stop motion animator, you just be like, oh, that's pretty janky. <laughs> but I mean, you have to think of like the technology they had at the time. Yeah. It was crazy against their favor. Of course, yeah. There are some really, really old stop motion. I remember there's one from like Russia from like the 1910s. Um, and the guy literally used like dead dead needles. insects. Yeah, I've seen that. Dead insects, yeah. yeah. Oh, and it's like, it's and crazy. it's like, what am I watching? Like, and I'm like, this is fascinating, but I'm also like <laughs> so creeped out. Like, <laughs> um, one of the people that I always find really fascinating is Ray Harryhausen. Yeah, I gotta I mean... Google who that is. <laughs> Come on. I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't know everything. How are you gonna Harry be a Houdini? professional stop motion animator? And not know Harryhausen. Uh, at the, like at this point, you could be a professional anything, like, without knowing anything. With Ray Harryhausen, um, I, I noticed in his documentary where he was saying that um, you know, there's like some things like monsters with like several heads, and he's got to animate each one differently with each frame and stuff. And there's no kind of like looking back at previous mm. shots. He's just got to guess. No live. View oh yeah, I think. Yeah, I playback. I think I animated um, that head. Um, the last frame so i'm going to move it you know it's just like i could never imagine you know could you imagine ever being in that sort of situation it's just it's that's just what, i think that's like why a lot of older stop motions look like the way they do yeah i mean obviously because they can't you can't really follow like animation basics when you literally do not have access to what you're doing until it's yeah. done i mean it's like when you compare it to like hand-drawn animation where you know, it's kind of designed so that you can keep going back at sort of the previous frame and, you know, that kind of stuff. Really, the sort of level that we hold sort of as, like, the standard has only really been that way for the last 30 years. Yeah. Essentially. It makes you wonder, like, could I, you know, could I pull all this stuff off if I was there in that time? You know? It's a very different, like, sort of, like, otherworldly time. Yeah. But I think that's probably partly why um, stop motion has never kind of been as popular as the other forms of, of animation. is because... Uh, up until recently, there hasn't been really that kind of software to support the animation quality that people want. <laughs> the weirdly enough, I think people are actually starting to come around to it though, because yeah. as the technology is improving, people are starting to see like, whoa, this is so cool. This all exists in real life. And that sort of aspect of it is really appealing to a lot of, I don't know what the, like, people who don't do this. I don't want to say normies. <laughs> I don't want to say that word. <laughs> One of the one of the things I really do like about Leica is that in the end credits of every film they do, they always have the behind the scenes, and um, I think for a lot of people who are casual viewers who may not even necessarily think about it, um, it's just really cool to think, oh wait, this is how they did it, you know, and they see these kind of like massive sets that they built and that kind of stuff, and it's just kind of uh, like the, the, like one of the things I find really fascinating is the. There's that model in Cubo the Two Strings, that um, skeleton? giant skeleton, yeah, and it's like the size of a human. <laughs> oh yeah, it's crazy. It was like it was like two stories tall apparently. Yeah. Or something like that. But that's the thing about stop motion, I think, is that people, um, just because the way it's sort of like you know created, people really appreciate it much more than other forms of animation, even though other forms of animation are can arguably be much more difficult. Or not much more, but slightly more difficult. I think the thing about stop motion is that it's like you you understand how it's made. Exactly. That's that's I think what it is. Um, a lot of people who aren't really like versed in animation, they can see this and just be like, I can do this myself. Yeah. And it's that layer that really like lends itself to appreciation. 
Mm. I think that's what people like so much about book films, isn't it, really? Is that, you know, it's kind of like something you can do as a kid. You know, like, I've got, I got all this Lego, I can just... I need to get a camera and I can just take photos. You know, it's just a... It's just such a, an appealing thing about that, isn't there? Well, evidently. <laughs> or else we wouldn't be here now. <laughs> yeah. Especially, like, like, at this point when people are, like, really into movies as well. Especially, like, young kids. Yeah. And it seems like just in general uh people are coming around again to you know they're kind of getting bored of cg and now you can have stuff like the mission impossible movies marketing themselves on having done things for real <laughs> which as they were i mean like you know as in with, with the first one they were going on about how how much cgi they were using now it's the opposite <laughs> that's the thing people need breaks you know yeah people people need breaks <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so don't worry. So you know, c- come twenty years, and everybody be, will be um, bragging about all the CGI again. <laughs> oh man, three three D is gonna make a comeback. Three <laughs> D always makes a comeback. For like two years. Three D is like <laughs> a cinematic cockroach. Dude, three D is like that toxic like X. You know, it's like well, maybe it wasn't so bad. And then you go back, and it's like no, it was that bad. <laughs> One of the things I was actually um, related to the video again uh, because you showed it. I was actually wondering, have we ever mentioned Wars of Darkness? Uh, I, I don't think so. Yeah, because I, I remember, I think it was like, it probably was about a year ago now, wasn't it? Then there were several of us on the on Discord, uh, and we all kind of joint sort of watched the... Four-hour brick film. Yeah, so it's, it's the longest known brick film in history, isn't it? Yeah. And um, I don't think many people would actually watch the entire thing, because it seems like such a daunting task. Um, and it's quite funny, it, like... Or watching it together, having that kind of... Uh, it's like the first reactions. You, you get to experience it together, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, the thing was, I wanted to watch The Wars of Darkness in full so that I'd be able to talk about it in the video properly. But, you know, but at the same time, I didn't want to watch it because it was four hours long. But then I, you know, managed to find a couple other people who were willing to watch it live just for fun. And we were all basically <laughs> dreading it. Like, we were going into it like, here we go, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> but it wasn't. Like, we all really enjoyed watching it. And we're surprised by how inventive it was. It's quite mad. Like, I can't imagine how long it must have taken. Was it t- did it take about a year? Uh, probably two years. Or maybe... Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I think he said somewhere. Yeah, I think it, I think it probably... I think it was about two years. But then that, that would still mean that you were making, like, a two-hour brick film in a year, so and then combine <laughs> combine it. I just don't know how you'd, yeah. And, and the funny thing is, like, so what you imagine with that kind of thing, like being four hours long, you imagine it's going to be really terrible, <laughs> like the animation and stuff. But it, there's some really inventive like action sequences, yeah. and, and I think it does take about an hour to get actually good. <laughs> but... <laughs> That's a, it's quite the commitment when you're watching, you know, seven FPS Lego Studios, <laughs> but it does get good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and Lego Studios was known, like the editing software was known to start crashing if you had a longer film, like five minutes or more. <laughs> <laughs> so you can imagine what four hours must have been like trying to edit it. Just like wow. going against technology at that time. That is actually a battle. Yeah. I mean, he's lucky. He's lucky it didn't just crash and delete everything just for the crack. Oh my god! Can you imagine getting all the way up to the finish line and that happening? It happened to Smeagol. Wow. He made a film in two thousand and two called Legozilla that he finished it and just lost it. Uh, wow. Well, I mean, like he at least he finished it. <laughs> yeah, but like it's not online or anything. It didn't, no, one, it's completely lost. It was never posted online. 
That was a Lego oh, Studios that is, villain. That is tragic. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think I just like quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you just you just you just quit, wouldn't you? Just like yeah. <laughs> that was just, Dude, it's such just a... like what can you do? It's like it's like it's clear like somebody on on high is is giving me a sign not to do this. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I I don't think I've ever lost anything extremely major, but I think if I did, like I can't imagine. You know, I can't imagine redoing it. Can you imagine, like, if you you were tracking down the the tapes for the finalists, right? Yeah. For years, you're telling me. Yeah. Can you imagine getting it? The guy's uploading it to Google Drive, and suddenly something horrible happens over at Google's end, <clears throat> completely deleting the file and the cassette tape for some reason. <laughs> some mysterious reason. Well, I mean, at least in that case, there'd still be eight other finalists who might eventually cough it up. Possibly. That's the good thing about <laughs> them being sent on physical media at least i i guess although physical media is just as you know oh yeah like, um, you could just d- vulnerable. die yeah you know i i always kind of um i find the concept of like having the only physical copy or something hugely terrifying oh yeah just like God. imagine ho- holding Oof. your hands i don't the know plans something... for d-day <laughs> i mean that's kind of like me with my collection of brick films because like what if my house burned down and the hard drives burned like <laughs> that's it you know <laughs> they're not on any drives there aren't any Google Drives? I mean, loads of them are, but like, you know, I don't have this Google Drive. All is, Google Drive is only like 15 gigabytes. Ah, yeah, right. I don't know, but I've got... Unless you want to like pay for the extra space. I've got a hell of a lot more than that. But like, um, oh, it's going to take a long time to get through just like uploading all anyway, so... But like, it's just a, just a, like, I don't know, imagine if you had like, I don't know, someone gave you, this is the, the only copy of, a, of the first of a brick film and it's, it predates the, you know, trip to the moon. Mm-hmm. You've got to kind of like, <laughs> I don't know, just like you, you'd feel like you're just holding like the Holy Grail. Well, like. I feel like I, <laughs> that I'd, is essentially what it is. Yeah. I'd at least project it and just like film the screen as it's projecting before trying to get like a proper transfer of it. You know, yeah. you have to get something. Yeah. Yeah. Like my first priority would be thing. to save it somewhere else somehow and upload it. Preservation. Hmm. Sometimes, um, like when I've when I've done like a day's worth of animation, I'll um, and it'll be kind of like you know two o'clock in the morning or something, and I just feel like oh I just want to go to bed and I don't want to, and you know you you can't you you feel like you don't even want to just put the effort of just saving it onto the hard drive, but then you suddenly you have this horrible thought uh-huh. that's going to keep you keep you up all night, which is the thing of what if my computer just dies. Oh man. <laughs> And, you just, and then you have to put it on the drive then. <laughs> I feel like, considering I'm not the guest here, we should uh, steer it back to more recent times. Yeah, I know. I mean... <laughs> oh, it's fine. Like, brick film history is like... History in general is just fascinating because you're taking concepts that, you know, you weren't alive for. And it's like an entirely different world that is kind of possible to explore, but not really. But I mean, like, just thinking about how many brick films are really out there, yeah. you know, just chilling. <laughs> it's strange because you think, you know, this is a niche sort of, um, like, medium. But yet there's such a, like, crazy history behind it. That was the crazy thing to me in researching, like, the 70s and 80s stuff. Because, like, very early on, I'd been kind of thinking, like, oh, here's the the seventh ever brick film, you know, stuff like that. But then in really researching it and finding, like... Over, Actually, o- over it's number, well, number 9,000, bro. Yeah, but yeah. Like, it was, it's revealed like, oh, you know, there was actually loads of people making random stuff. And, you know, most likely the vast, vast majority of it is either completely lost or just in an attic or a basement somewhere. 
Yeah. That's crazy. I, I just, it's funny because, like, you know, from what, what we know of, it's like, you know, Journey to the Moon is the very first um, brick film. But, that we know um, of. But know? it's theoretically possible that there's an earlier one. Yeah. But the thing is, like, with that, it's such a an iconic film, and it's actually, like, one of the best early mm. brick films. Yeah, it is. So, the, I think I remember you saying this in the past, like, imagine if you did come across the first ever brick film from, like, 1969, and it was actually just, like... Uh, a glory, like uh, just a like five uh, frames five... of a brick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it just be it just be kind of like the most bittersweet like discovery. It's just disappointing, yeah. <laughs> uh, I I really like the the idea of the first brick film being made in Denmark. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would make sense, right? <laughs> well, if anything, I mean, like the guy who made like it was probably did something with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say. I mean, it's hard to know, but but by the seventies, you know, it was well worldwide popular worldwide so it's, it'd be just as likely anywhere i mean you know because like you're looking back now like to nearly 50 years ago there's the chance that someone um as a child you know played around and decided they wanted to do some stop motion with lego is uh, hugely possible prior to what we know as the first brick film so yeah so who knows like if we will end ever come across you know the first ever but you know i mean it's but again, it's such a long time ago now that, you know, the time to trace brick films from that kind of era is kind of like ticking, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you needed like a time machine or something. That was a really good thing, though, about the Lego movie, is that that seemed to get a lot of people to come out of the woodwork and show their old 70s and 80s brick films on YouTube. Wait, that actually happened? Yeah, like a, a lot of them are, you know, only uploaded in 2014 or 2015. That's something. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, some, like, 50-year-old dude in, like, the theater just being inspired? Like, oh, my God. I... <laughs> Mom! <laughs> I know it's actually true as well. Like, there's one of the... One book film, I think it's... The the guy actually died, like, a couple of years after... Oh, yeah, Liftoff, he, he, he shared it... But he, first of all, he, he made it in 85, and he shared it online in 2000, but nobody really knew about it. And then he shared it online in 2014, and then he died in 2015. So, oh, man. that was some insane timing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but again, yeah, it was it was weird because like he had this website for the him sharing the film again, and you know it, it disappeared after one year, and I was just thinking like, what, why did why does that gone so fast? But like obviously he wasn't around to renew it. Hmm. It's pretty insane stuff, very unusual in brick filming, of course. <laughs> so I forgot like mortality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this, apply to brick filmers too <laughs> this podcast is getting pretty deep I know it's like <laughs> now we will talk about philosophy you know? <laughs> oh man but no like yeah one of the things I always find quite interesting is like because brick filming is all kind of within people's lifetime um, mortali- the mortality side of things is never really something that's talked about much and uh, it's quite, quite it's kind of mad to think of like I don't know in like 20 years time there's probably going to be a lot of brick filmers that are no longer around. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, death as a concept is something that, um, although it's fun to like explore in films, actually thinking about it, it's kind of freaky. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what it is about it, <laughs> but it's like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah. I guess it's kind of one of the interesting things about the community when it got to, like, uh, into the brickfilms.com era, which I'm sure that you're going to sort of discuss more in the next video, Panto. It's like, it got to, like, 2001, 2002. A lot of films that had, like, deep and sort of dark kind of themes. 
I guess that kind of reflects like the time as well, because the two thousands were pretty cringe in terms of like <laughs> world events and stuff. <laughs> yeah, but world events that are kind of both dark but also memes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because I, I think, like, because we're getting to a point where we're getting so slapped in the face with just bad news constantly that the only way we can really deal with it is by, you know, making fun of it. Yeah, that's true. Um, But I think the thing was, back then, like, anyone using the internet, like I mean, like, pro- properly using the internet was an adult. So, you know, naturally, like... Yeah, they were, they were thinking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, like, hmm. they... Exactly. Like, you know, a lot of the people on BrickFunds.com in 2001 were, like in their 30s or late 20s so uh it's a very different demographic yeah especially because you know now it's a, it's much more accessible um to a lot of younger people especially when you have like you know the rise of stuff like youtube and tiktok hmm. it's much more accessible are there any and tiktok that, brick filmers uh there has to be <laughs> I, you know that's an episode of brick film history coming in like 10 years <laughs> i actually had to make a tiktok for like a university project and uh basically i it was a one of these TikToks where you kind of like, you know, there's like different people throw like an object uh, to each other and stuff. And I decided to do mine in, in stop motion. So I don't know if I'm the first person to do a, a Lego TikTok, <laughs> but I doubt it. <laughs> I I think I have seen a few like Lego TikToks. I've definitely seen some stop motion TikToks, like, you know, like uh, Nino Droids or the, the Figmas. They're, they're, it's definitely like a genre there hmm. on that crazy, wacky world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels completely impenetrable to me. I kind of it feels yeah. I like how um, we've gone from you know Lego Studios to existentialism and then uh, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> the the three main facets of life. <laughs> but the thing about the the weirdest thing about TikTok to me for uh, is that I feel like I'm on like the cusp of people who should be getting into it. I'm like just barely old enough to not get into it but i'm also seeing people like around my age also getting into it and it's like this is strange i mean i don't understand it well one of my friends in uh university uh she's like obsessed with tiktok and she has like you know like thirty thousand followers or something something crazy like that and it's just like i don't know i mean there are a lot of people who put, i guess put a lot of effort into tiktoks like you know, some tiktoks are really funny yeah i mean there's, there's a lot of like comedy skits and I think but that... Vine. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of cringe with Vine. I mean, like I... <laughs> every everybody hated on Vine at the time, but you know, most of the popular what? stuff I see from TikTok makes Vine look good. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, Vine was a classic. I, it could just be because Vine was actually like my time. I was in high school and everybody had a Vine, but some of the vines, like they legit would kill me. <laughs> TikTok never really had the same effect. Yeah, I mean, I have seen some some really funny ones, and that like, and it's actually impressive the amount of information they pack into six seconds. Into six seconds—that's the best part about it. I think it's because the six seconds forces people to be much more creative and to really get the punchline in. Uh, like with TikTok, yeah, it, it there's so much cringe. Like every time <laughs> I've got on, I've gone on the app quite a few times, and every time I go on there, I just feel like, you know, my face is just so kind of cringe mode you know it's just like <laughs> but you know i love uh when there's like a joke and like you just get the punchline as soon as you get the idea of the joke it cuts like you know oh yeah there's like two frames you need and to keep it, it quick I, I yeah i hate it when something just goes on and on and on and you just keep holding on that's 
to bring this back to brick films that's something i actually try like i i found that in a few brick films when i was getting back into into the into the brick filming world um it's just one of those things where it kind of reminds you that you really just want to keep things constantly moving Mm -hmm. in a format like this yeah. yeah i guess i guess to kind of um because you're the guest and we should be talking about your <laughs> I was just... I'm fine talking about anything we want yeah. to talk about. But, this is a fun conversation. But like, I'm actually a big fan of like all your videos where you got like the, you know, it's in, like, in 60 seconds or, you know, variants of that, like the, the Spider-Man films. What's really funny about it is that you're doing that kind of thing of having to pack loads of scenes into very short, <clears throat> snappy kind of uh, couple of seconds. And, um, you know, it's very quick and... I guess it's kind of almost like that, like Vine, you know, it's that kind of... Maybe it's the Vine influence <laughs> taking over. Because <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time on Vine when I was in high school. <laughs> Maybe that's what nuked my, uh, my, my attention span. I like the Sonic film from this movie. Oh, month. man. I do want to ask, I do want to ask, though, why did the Sonic film have to end on It Was All A Dream? Because uh, personally, I thought it was just too dark oh. to go into that, into that direction. You know, like, there's <laughs> bullying Sonic... And then there's really just being mean to him. And it's like, uh, I don't want to... Like, I liked know, it. <laughs> I'm trying to, like... It's hard to sort of keep a balance between, you know, having something, like, dark and funny or just mean-spirited. Yeah. And I don't... I'm not really a big fan of, like, a lot of mean-spirited stuff. Yeah, neither am I, but I thought that that one worked. I, th- I thought that you could have just cut it in two minutes. <laughs> Maybe I, Who knows? I do like the... It was all a dream, like, the biggie on the radio. And that's not the first time I uh, I actually used that either. I used that in a much older brick film of mine. Well, not that old. Um, a bone chilling tale. That was like the that was like the original one where it was like a horror until it was all a dream. And I think I maybe maybe it is kind of a cop out um, because you know you don't you want to I, I kind of want to like be mindful of what like I'm sort of like bringing to people as well because I guess videos have an influence at some point on the on the people who watch them right. Hmm. I I never I never suggested that Sonic should have committed hate crimes in your video. <laughs> just to just to clear that up. It was it was it was implied that he fought in Vietnam, so maybe he committed a few war crimes <laughs> during the trees. But that video was a lot of fun to make because I got to sort of like go into a much more um, surrealist kind of, mm, yeah. kind of view, I, especially towards the end. I really like that that aspect to it. because I, I guess like you know also when you're making something every week. You want to consistently like try and think of ideas that you haven't done before as well, and you know when you look at the title, you know who's faster, Sonic or the Flash? Who's the fastest thing alive? You know, <laughs> you, you expected get... to get to yeah, that place, yeah, exactly. And then all of a sudden, you're not even that fast, <laughs> and then the video just changes. <laughs> I think that's my favorite part of that video too. It's just the whole like it reminds me a lot of um, you get what you freaking deserve from Joker, just the <laughs> boom. <laughs> I don't know if I can say the actual line here, so uh, I censored it. But that video was a lot of fun to me. Sonic in general is a really fun character to work with because the sort of like modern day uh, like reality of Sonic is just very like rooted in internet sort of yeah. bullying. So it's almost like his actual character doesn't matter. He can be whatever you want him to be because anybody will accept it because everybody just accepts the fact that Sonic is an anomaly. <laughs> He's too fast to sort of anticipate. He's always one step ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's stuff like the like it's why stuff like the Incredibles dub, um, except with Sonic characters, works so well. 
Even just his voice. Just his voice in general is so, like, malleable. Sonic is the renaissance man. I don't know if you ever watched, like, YouTube poops back way, way back on YouTube. I watched Sonic, the very Sonic says. ones. <laughs> <laughs> I used to watch That's a lot no of that good. stuff. <laughs> it's like Spongebob, kind of. Those characters are no longer necessarily the characters that, the, that, that were written. Instead, they're sort of like our vague perception of what we <laughs> want them to be. Yeah. And working within that, there's so many possibilities. Hmm. A, a lot like what happens in your... Uh... Your own brick films, and especially the grocery shopping brick film, <laughs> which I, I was, I, I was amazed when that came out, and it was seven minutes long. I didn't expect it to be that long. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like another like normal like three minute weekly one, and then I was like, this is so much. Why is it this much? But I was having fun making it. But it also kind of like speaks to sort of like what I was saying earlier about working too long on a project and how you can kind of get burnt out towards the end of it. Because towards the end of that one, I was definitely feeling that sort of like I kind of want this to be done already. Um, although I definitely am happy with like the end product that came out with it, it was one of those things where it was like I was like more relieved to be finished with it. Do you know it's it's funny? Um, like uh, we take it for granted, but like we will, a, lo- a lot of us will complain about um, brawl, and like oh you know that was a that was a long week, but that's basically every <laughs> week. <laughs> I, I think of it just like as a as just like a job, you know, or like going to school. You know, I've been going to school every every day for every week of my life. Yeah. Or I've been having mm-hmm. like you know I worked. Yeah. I mean I worked at Amazon, man. That stuff changes you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like once you do like once you go through one of those nights in one of those factories in one in one of Bezos's labor camps, like it's just, <laughs> it's like yeah, you know what? I can pretty much do anything. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, it is true that like a lot of brick filmers know that in theory they could crank out a couple of minutes every week, or even like two minutes every day, like, going by what you can do during tech. But you just feel like you'd never actually do it every week. At least I certainly. Well, don't. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it every day, then you just you just go absolutely insane. <laughs> people, you know, people got like other obligations too, um, which kind of like keeps them from being able to work on something like this every day. Still, like, even though even a year in, I'm still like really enjoying this, and I think a lot a lot of it has to do with the fact that it almost feels like I can just kind of like bring whatever I want to life, or say whatever I want to say. I think some I think some of my videos definitely do have more of a message than others. Like Sonic, for example, what what, what am I saying with that one? Kind of just fun to pick on Sonic for a bit. <laughs> but the grocery shopping one obviously is more of a of a reactionary video, um, especially compared to current events. And current day and the meteor video especially was definitely the most heavy-handed one hmm. that i made in terms of like in terms of like views and current events yeah that was uh i don't know it's kind of funny i mean i, I guess political brick films are not really <clears throat> something that really exists a lot really but that kind of yeah they're not really <laughs> a thing although i'd like to see more of them it kind of wasn't like heavy-handed though you know it was i found it really funny it was like i just wanted to capture what i was seeing in real life but like in this world yeah and i also want to obviously it's like it's like you're kind of towing the line it's like do i make it biased maybe not but Mm -hmm. i also want to say something with it but it's like if you you know if you go too if you lean too hard into what you actually believe then people are gonna be like oh this is biased or this isn't fair blah 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 blah. but it's like you know at the end of the day like what we make is an extension of ourselves yeah so we shouldn't be afraid to say what we want to say i mean you know it's kind of crazy but like even the, I guess, the brick film that I just made is, is controversial to a lot of people. There's a lot of people that be uh, rallying against the idea of 
staying at home, but those people deserve to be ridiculed. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, do you really think that the virus is going to let you go because you're bored? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's so baffling to me. It's just insane that people are just like, feel that they've got something that's that important to do when... Well, it's, it's, it's people in general, they don't react to like mass death like they do to a single like tragic death or you know a smaller scale tragic event it's it's a strange strange phenomenon we're also in like this like age where every day even before this pandemic hit every day it was like ah guess what crazy thing happened in the world today watch Mm. society collapse in real time on your nightmare rectangle (laughs) it's like you know, so like it was like the perfect storm. You know, you desensitize most of society. You bring in this crazy split between yeah. modern viewpoints, and now you just got to introduce something killer, either World War Three or a plague. Take, yeah, the, like, the, pick, take your they're choice. They're so used to the crazy news moving on every day that they're like, "Hey, why are you still talking about this virus? I'm bored of hearing about that." But also, as well, if if I don't know, I guess a lot of deaths all happen at once, and it's. And there's an entity to blame. I guess people are more into it then. <laughs> but uh, to steer the conversation away f- <laughs> once again, <laughs> you know, I've noticed that there's a lot of video game music in your films. So I have to ask, like, <laughs> what are some of your favorite video games? Um, so I grew up on Nintendo games primarily. So I don't How old? I, uh, so I got a GameCube when I was in 2004. So I was about five years old then. And, like, the first game I pretty much remember playing was Ocarina of Time. Because it came with, like, the Zelda, like, mm-hmm. bonus disc. It came with, like, Majora's Mask, Ocarina of Time, and two other games for, for the NES. And I became, yeah. like, a huge Nintendo fan off of that alone. Um, getting to Smash Bros. Melee. And just kind of, like, growing up, having their catalog of games consistently feed me my supply of video games. So I pretty much grew up exclusively on Nintendo games. Um, but my favorite probably is Mother 3, which was the Japan-only game that never came out. But, you know, you can play it by mm-hmm. getting a fan translation. And I think I liked it so much because everything about that game, I think, is, like, amazing. Like, the music, yeah. I, use a, I use so much of their music, of the, of the game's music, in my videos. Um, and the story itself was, like, is like touching and moving. It's, like, about family. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, the, the story. I mean, I haven't actually played Mother 3. I've never tracked down a translation. But the story in Earthbound is, you know, it's crazy how much more, like, how much more themes is packed into it than the average video game. Oh, yeah. But I also like, you know, like, um, weirdly enough, I like, I played a lot of Team Fortress 2 in high school, just like with my friends. And that was a lot of fun to play. So I use some Team Fortress 2 music in my videos and even some sound effects. But most of the music does come from Nintendo games and Smash Bros. I've noticed, I've noticed a lot of Donkey Kong Country music in there. Oh, Donkey Kong Country is also one of my favorites, like in my top five. Nice. Um, just that whole series in general. I like, yeah. I always go back to it. I love DKC too. I was like a gamer YouTuber at one point, you know, I was like doing Let's Plays in high school. Um, and some of it was Donkey Kong Country. A lot of it was Mother 3. That's um, cool, because, you know, like... <laughs> you know, I was watching the, the videos, and I it's had this thought in the back of my mind, like, have you actually played Donkey Kong Country, like, the old games? <laughs> Donkey Kong so Country 2 is a masterpiece. Yeah, it is. It's amazing. Oh, and man. it has a 10 out of 10 soundtrack. It's perfect. It's chef's kiss. I use some of that music in my studio's video, actually. Cool. I quite I, I do like the idea of using video game music in in videos. It's it's, it's quite often uh, I see it quite often in things, and uh, I mean it's quite quite funny whenever I see because I mean, I'm not I haven't really I'm not really as into games um, as you guys, but like I guess one of the game games I always grew up with is um, 
the Simpsons hit and run. And oh, I love that. One. Yeah, whenever I watch a video and I hear like some of the music from that, I think, ah, oh, yes, this. <laughs> It's, it's also like a connection that people form, you know, like it's almost like a shared experience. Yeah. yeah. I recognize that. Yeah, it's kind of a, because it's such a niche, it's kind of a, like, you feel a sort of sense of, I don't know, it's like, oh yeah. Feel seen, you know, you feel seen. Yeah. <laughs> you feel included. It's also great for copyright smuggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that stuff isn't in the system. Until uh, until one day, I know the Nintendo ninjas, the ninjas there, they're gonna put out the whole claim, they're probably gonna arrest everybody. Um, or something because their business practices are crazy yeah but they make some great games <laughs> <laughs> that's true yeah they're well they never do anything like what anyone else does which is you know good and bad that they just always do their their own nintendo thing yeah uh, somebody explained it great it's like playing a nintendo game is like eating at a really really great restaurant but somebody is screaming in your ear the entire time <laughs> it's like the food's great god love the food could really do without this person screaming in my ear though yeah, you just never know what they're going to do next. <laughs> but I'm definitely looking forward to uh, remastered Sunshine and Galaxy. If that if that happens? I hope so. I think, uh, is it confirmed or just rumored? I think it's a rumor. But I love uh, Sunshine too. You know what I think yeah, actually? I, I think Super Mario Sunshine really actually impacted sort of like my visual taste. Um, I love really clear like the blue skies. That's kind of like why mm -hmm. I chose the color that you see a lot of my videos. Um, where it's just like, it's like, it's like very bright, high contrast and high saturation because I really, I really love seeing like the colors pop yeah it kind of it, it reminds you of summer for one thing which in canada we don't get enough of <laughs> and it's, it's it both stimulates the visuals but also calms you down it's, it's weird yeah. it is brings it you to where you are yes and i'm glad it is <laughs> nice. and i'm glad it is people should not be going outside but uh i guess oh i didn't actually realize you were canadian so cool <laughs> a <laughs> but yeah i, I like having um, saturated colors as well, uh, especially if the backgrounds are a bit more muted and then your subject really pops. Yeah. It's, it suits Lego, obviously. Exactly. It's very, it's very good for Lego, especially, you know, they're already like, they're already bright, colorful and like they pop. That's also kind of like, even like, even with animation, um, when it comes to like the style again, I know we talked about this like two hours ago, <laughs> but even when it comes like to the style, I like to really like make sure it complements the colors and stuff that I choose. It's also like why in the Sonic video as well, you kind of see towards the end, like it's important to like switch up the animation to really make sure it also syncs up with what you're trying to communicate. So when you see his hand shaking as like he tries to grab the flash hand, you know, you kind of have to take like different sort of like lengths to achieve that than what you're used to. Mm -hmm. This is a great podcast. I really enjoy watching uh, watching these though when, um, when I'm animating myself. That's good to hear. I, I, I know I certainly like listening to the BFG podcast when I'm animating. Yeah. The Brick Members Gold podcast. Yeah. I feel like when it comes to like brick films, there's many different types of sort of communities within this community as well. Yeah, although I do feel like this is a good time at the moment where uh, there's a lot more cross community interaction and activity. And I think with like, you know, things like Discord being so popular, that really helps. Yeah, it does. Because I know there are a lot of forum dudes and I think forums are a bit before my time. I don't really understand how they work. <laughs> it's like you can like put images, but only sometimes. It's very strange. But so many, there's so much history in them, that's the thing. There is, yeah, for sure. It, it's crazy now to think about it. Like, there was a time when I'd be on brickfilms.com and later Bricks in Motion, you know, just like all day refreshing the page just to see what the new posts were. Hey, you know, actually, that reminds that. What do you think is like a few key differences between, you know, modern brick films and brick films from like 10 years ago? 
the films or the community? Both. And <laughs> how they affect each other. Well, I mean, I could talk about that all day. Because <laughs> that's the thing about brick film history, and that's kind of like, especially why I'm really excited to like, you know, um, to see how the, the story is progressing. Because now we're getting to the point where I was alive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, and, it's, I... and it's fun to see like, sort of like, sort of like just how different lenses perceive moments that, you know, that you were a part of. When I eventually get to the uh, videos after BrickFilms.com, I, I plan to do a video that's simultaneously about the early years of YouTube and the early years of Bricks in Motion, with uh, the crux of the video essentially being like brick filming being at its most divided, where you had all these things happening, but they were completely separate and cut off from each other. And, you know, there was even some animosity between that's something, various yeah. sides. Hmm. That's something I remember hearing in the Forest Fire podcast, is that there were a lot of, like, people who were straight up just bullying him on the phone. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of big haters, all right. A funny thing about, like, when YouTube arrived on the scene, and, you know, certain brick films became popular, even if they weren't as good as the best brick films. <laughs> and, like, for a while, you know, the people from the BrickFilms.com community, or you felt like you shouldn't put the word Lego in your title. It felt like selling out. <laughs> Whereas nowadays, you know, the the same people would they have no problem with putting Lego in the title or, you know, trying methods to get views on videos. Weirdly enough, it's... I don't like putting the word Lego in my titles. Um, yeah, that, that, that's interesting, all right. I personally think it's because I don't want my videos to just be seen as just Lego Just videos. Lego videos, yeah. yeah. I want them to be like, you know... It's like you have... A, like a medium it should be taken as that not a genre and i feel like adding lego into the title kind of like makes it into it kind of it kind of like it kind of categorizes it in a way that might obstruct uh certain people from being interested in it yeah i mean it's so tempting to put lego in the title because you know it's going to get more views but i feel like if you're lucky enough or you make the videos well enough that you can break free from that. Like, yeah, you might find yourself having your own fan base that's just there for your videos and the style and the humor that you bring to them. And they're not just Lego people. Hmm. I, I think uh, you're achieving that. Thank you for saying that. Um, it's not something I was really trying to do. I think it was just whenever I like, you know, make whatever I wanted to make, I particularly keep people around my age in mind the most. And I think that just happens to extend to people um, a little bit older than me and people a little bit younger than me. Because my generation is the best. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But I think it's also just because it's like weird because like, you know, the whole cusper thing. It's like growing up in an age where the internet was really starting to get popular. But early life was kind of hard because I think we were talking about this earlier, about the animosity and stuff. I'm going to say the S word, the Joker word. <laughs> society was in a very different place around 10 years ago in which mm -hmm. sort of like that really negative sort of mean-spirited attitude was much more common it was actually yeah it wasn't just brick filming like it was the entire it was everywhere it was, it was like yeah. like the, the the internet was 4chan <laughs> it, it kind of you're kind of right yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like, like it's everywhere like, you, you went know, people were just waiting to get they into were just an mean. argument with you people were just mean yeah I like not just not just programming. Newgrounds, animators, YouTubers, everything. You know, you get called the R word. You get called the F word. I think you it's called the the this word. It, I think it was kind of maybe it was the kind of the start of like the internet was 
kind of old enough for there to be like a second wave of people like a second generation and there was this sort of like snootiness of like i was here first and like the you almost have like the the boomers of in- the internet <laughs> <laughs> the karens <laughs> and it's like and and i think now it's kind of like people are just a bit more kind of like accepting of that i think I it's because i think it's because the people my age are scarred <laughs> by all of that and we're just like we're not gonna we don't like we know how how sucky it is to is it, really yeah, you, have like a hit piece put out on you you want to break the cycle of abuse <laughs> yeah it's like you know we all know what suffering feels like so why should we like you know make that our weapon but there's a there's a funny twitter account that posts like funny quotes from old posts online and like the late 80s and early 90s from news groups and stuff and there's there's posts from people in like 1992 talking about like some development and availability of computers and internet and stuff and it's like oh great now there's going to be a bunch of idiots who don't know anything you know, coming on the internet <laughs> the gatekeeping has really died down which i'm happy to see i guess there is a kind of side of it where the world that we're in right now is really scary and it's so messed up that people want some escape from that so maybe in a way communities and the internet in general might end up being nicer maybe yeah well it already is yeah (laughs) yeah i i definitely like you know even like seeing like what like teachers say about their students they're saying like you know people from 2017 are much nicer than people in 2007 but people from 2017 are also generally more scared and anxious Mm. but you know you know what's actually worth mentioning and and this this used to be this used to come up all the time but like on the well on the internet in general but also particularly in brickfilling because of certain you know types of people that attracted it was like the opinion was essentially split down the middle as to like whether or not it was okay to be gay <laughs> you know there was like yeah. <laughs> rampant homophobia from like certain certain well, okay, mostly younger people. I mean, they, they a lot of them just didn't know any better because they were just, like, brought up... Just, like, you know, you know it's, repeating it's, it's what they, them. they heard. Yeah, repeating what they heard. Most of the older people and, like, the people in charge, like, they weren't... <laughs> they didn't entertain any of these hateful ideas, you know. They were against them. They'd argue against them in the debate threads and stuff. That's the thing. I don't think anybody who really said, you know, certain things back then... Again, you're young, and they were sort of, like, just kind of saying what they heard. Without really giving it much thought. Yeah, but nowadays, like, it, it wouldn't even be entertained. Like back then, it was like just a debate that just went on. When you go onto um, the Bricks and Motion forums, there's always these these old like controversial debate threads that haven't been active for like ten years. It's all things like there's there's that kind of uh, iconic one is the gay debate and <laughs> is. Does, oh, and then there's like fun, there's other fun ones like, um, does God exist? And all these really fun, you know, non-controversial. Uh... <laughs> but that's what I mean, like back then, and it wasn't just brickfilling, but looking back on it now, the idea that you could even debate things like that, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I know. It's just, it's, it was just the, the whole idea of normalization really does make way for some really not good but, things. Like nowadays, the standard is acceptance of people like as far as rules for websites i guess that's kind of like for me um when i started when i joined the community maybe i kind of missed a lot of the the worst most toxic era because i kind of got into the era where everybody was like yeah you know i i think this and you think that and we all like each other (laughs) um and Mm -hmm. and it's kind of funny because it's like 
when I joined the community, I was quite young. I, mean, I was 15. I was quite... Uh, I, I, luck- I wasn't really that on the internet all that much before then. And I'm quite glad that I didn't end up in certain forums or certain places that I could have ended up being. And the way I sort of thought, I could have easily have gone down a different path. But luckily I joined... I joined oh, a community yeah. that was very kind of accepting and it kind of showed that to kind of like a certain extent there's people from very different sides of a spectrum that can kind of all have that kind of common ground and respect each other as, as human beings and that really changed how I saw myself and how I saw people and it's changed me completely as a person really. That's bricks and you know the bricks bricks from community has made me a better person in a, in a lot of ways. <laughs> that's that's like very it's very important because that's a really scary thing about the internet nowadays because there are a lot of like you know 13 14 15 year olds who feel ostracized and who are who feel kind of alienated from their in real life mm. crowds, right? So they go on the internet and they find you know these like you know they find these forums and they find these uh, websites that have their common interests and it's really important to make sure that those common interest websites are filled with people who, you know, bring good values and to bring I guess non-hateful values because there are actually some sinister tactics used by people who actually have the shared who actually have these hateful values to sort of infiltrate these mm-hmm. communities and sort of normalize a lot of these like these toxic bad ways of speaking or just, you know, joking as they call it. And to the point it gets to the point where, you know, you say these jokes yourself to feel accepted. And you say them so much that it gets normalized. And then the whole can of the whole rabbit hole leads into that. Which is why I think it's like, you know, that's which is why I'm I'm trying to be very mindful about the stuff I make too. Is to make sure that, you know, you don't get certain ideas that are regressive to uh, like to you know to human benefits finite benefic- Like if you want to know something about how like forum culture and stuff differs uh, back then compared to how stuff is now, like Back then, you you found your you found a forum that was you know a, a common interest, but like the forum was where you posted literally everything. You know, it was like every social media site rolled into one because social media sites weren't popular. So like people would discuss just every single topic under the sun, and they just post pictures of themselves in threads just for the sake of it. You know, forums seem fun. I'm <laughs> sad I missed out on forums. So that kind of explains how there could be like these debate topics that just seem wild today because you know you, you can imagine if something happens today on social media it happened back then on forums <laughs> so like and that, and that covers every topic every type of discussion you know it would all happen on a forum for just one specific interest because that was essentially that was everyone who was on there that was their social media site i guess really the way that you know how how toxic a a community or whatever, or how untoxic a community can be. It a lot of it is just by chance and just the the founding people who kind of you know moderate and whatever. But I just think the way things ended up, the break film community is very lucky that it's a very accepting and uh, you know a very nice um, community. That's you know, and I think a lot of you know uh, impressionable kids of what like 13 or whatever are joining a community which is uh you know beneficial for them i guess really and yeah it's that's nice... what i think too with all the negativity that there is in the world and you know online whatever it's nice that... online especially yeah at online least, especially at least there is like this forum and stuff which which 
attracts a younger audience that actually is nice <laughs> that's what i'm really like happy to see about the break home community especially is because like you know a lot of them you guys especially are just very welcoming very nice and very helpful especially you guys don't you guys don't tear down uh, like a new person's submission you don't like rack it to pieces it's just acceptance and you like you know you you try to provide criticism in the best way you possibly can while also trying to keep their feelings in mind yeah you, you know you either die a wholesome content creator or you live long yourself you live long enough to see yourself have a heated gamer moment one of those two. <laughs> <laughs> of course i feel like mentioning like back then when i was like 13 or 14 or something you know somebody showed up in the chat and they were looking for a uh, like uh evolution debate i was like oh my god yes somebody i control <laughs> when it comes to the community and stuff i always think it's good to kind of uh try and be as, as positive as, as possible and try and be as like helpful as possible to people and like what my role model it like in life generally is like mr rogers and i want to be like the mr rogers of brick filming <laughs> Dude, that's exactly who i was thinking of. have you seen his the, the documentary won't you be my neighbor i haven't actually no oh it's so good it's amazing came out in 2018 i watched it like twice i watched it with my mom and sister and i watched it with my girlfriend it was like the perfect like moment but it really does bring about a perspective that i think is very important for people who have large audiences to consider it's like a power, you know, you ha and you have to really wield it responsibly. I just, to, I just to be clear, I mean, I don't think I'm like, I don't want to pretend that I think I'm like, you know, this this a amazing humble person. But that's who I, that's what oh, yeah. I want to be. That's what I, I always strive to be, I guess. <laughs> that's the thing too, right? It's like it's almost it's not necessarily you as a person, but you have to kind of put up a perception. Yeah. Um, because no matter what, the person will never be able to live up to whoever. Um, you think of whenever of course, you think yeah. of that person because we're people we have flaws you know we make mistakes <laughs> but it's like it's like a legend almost the legend of mlk or something <laughs> <laughs> strive to become the mlk of brick filming <laughs> <laughs> but i don't but unironically though <laughs> okay should we uh actually head over to the brick film showcase oh yeah oh cool yeah so, for anyone new to the podcast, this segment is just an opportunity for each of us to talk about brick films that uh, either mean a lot to us or just brick films that we want to talk about in general. So, for this particular episode, we wanted to each uh, pick a brick film that had the themes of isolation, as we felt that it was quite topical for everything that's going on right now. Um, so, I picked Alone, which is um, a 2002 brick film by Jason uh, Rowalt. Um And this actually did feature briefly in Penta's video um, as well as being kind of you know it kind of goes with uh, what's going on at the moment you know sort of self-isolation and you know and, and it's kind of like I guess an early example of um, the white expanse sort of brick film conceptually it's quite it is quite a dark film it's you know kind of like a it's got some horror sort of themes um, and yeah just overall it's just a quite interesting film it's quite um i guess some of the sound effects are very um lego studios i guess i'm going to assume um i hear those sound effects were crazy <laughs> so so some of the sound effects are somewhat humorous <laughs> um but there is certain parts of sound design i do like i like the i was, I was listening to it earlier on my headphones and i like the heart beat sort of like that's going that goes on throughout the video and it gets sort of more and more intense as the video kind of goes on 
there aren't that many horror book films out there, so I guess it's kind of a a good example of a horror book. I film. really love like it's it's almost like you you know the time that it came from, like two thousand two, and you can see a lot of that in hmm. sort of just like the presentation, which makes sense because you know technology at the time. But I really love yeah. how that almost like it like really adds to that it to the feeling that it gives, like the sort of like horror isolation feeling. Yeah, actually, that was something I brought up in my studio's video was like low resolution kind of adding to horror rick films it really lends a hand of, of course this isn't actually studios but it's still uh, rm compression was really bad uh but yeah i'd agree that there are it's like a bit on the you know comedic sort of goofy side at points like the lego skull print is just <laughs> inherently goofy it is funny it's fun to look at yeah but uh but yeah I'd, there there are definitely some some good moments and shots like the uh, the first person shot and the over the shoulder shot they seem to have really good presence all the ripple effects and stuff it's very <laughs> like 2002 windows movie maker effects though <laughs> but even like seeing the stuff like the skulls flying by like when the, when like the actual skulls not the lego skulls um you know just like just like with the resolution and sort of graininess it kind of gives that surreal kind of feeling yeah i just kind i just like the you know because you've got the sort of white expanse part and then it goes quite dark and uh i don't know I, I just quite yeah i just think it's very it's a very suspenseful film it kind of builds up the tension i think yeah both in the sound design and you know visually it's quite it's a quite an ambitious film yeah, even just like that yeah. shot of him going to the door or like just looking into the door and seeing the skulls yeah i mean if i looking through looking at this perspective of someone like if i was watching it in 2002 i imagine this would have been a very quite impressive brick film visually it makes for a good segue into my pick, which is a melodramedy by Robinson Wood, also known as Nosnoboros. I'm not sure if that's the right way to pronounce it, but it's the way I've always said it. <laughs> and this is a, uh, rather than being in an all-white room, it's a guy in an all-black room. And this is a 24-hour animation contest 2 film from 2006. Oh, it came in third. Yeah, it should have won the Audience Choice Award as well, which was a thing back then. But uh, it was disqualified because Nosnoboros didn't submit a ballot himself. And I, I guess that was a requirement for entrance. <laughs> you have to vote or but, it doesn't um, count. So even though it came third in the judge's choice, I think it's probably my favourite film of Tech 2. Back to School Nightmare is an absolute classic that I watched a million times in 07. <laughs> but um, I reckon Melodramedy is like, it works well as a, a, a full short film. More so than the, the two ahead of it, Back to School Nightmare and Negotiations. They're kind of long and talky. I mean, it probably impressed people at the time that they were long. Like, three minutes long. Because, you know, at the time, people didn't know the limits of tech. And uh, there was a lot of, like, one-shot films. You know, 45-second films and stuff. But I feel like Melodramedy is a really good example of a great tech film. Yes, I mean, it's... <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, it's perfect. It's just, like, the one room and the keyhole build. Yeah. But I, but I feel like it works as a, a, a short narrative as well. Although I th it's really funny, like, I, he's, he looks at the keyhole and it looks like it's the size of a doorway. I mean, I guess it's meant to be like he's exaggerating how he's imagining it. But, like, when it cuts to the, the shot at the end and you see the door from the other side and it has a small <laughs> keyhole. So small. It, it feels like the guy is, like, the size of Tinkerbell or something. <laughs> he's, he's just in, in there on, like, a tiny shelf. Also, the face choice for the guy on the other side of the door is classic. <laughs> yeah, it's a classic face. Hmm. That is funny, actually. I hadn't thought about it, but yeah, I'm, look I'm watching it again now, and I can see there's like the, the giant keyhole. Yeah, that is funny. 
um, there is a kind of, um, I guess maybe more now because Radiohead is kind of a is sort of a bit of a meme. <laughs> uh, I kind of get that kind of vibe from it. <laughs> I don't know. There's a difference between this choice of Radiohead and you know something like Karma Police and Dane Cook films. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Though this this the song is actually really like, really good. It got me to Shazam. Yeah. That's a it's, rarity. It suits the mood. I just to be clear. I like Radiohead. Like I'm not. Okay. <laughs> I'm not dissing them. I th- I like Radiohead not because of this. I was gonna say that we should uh, describe what the film is about, but I think it's it's one of those films where it's best if you just, you just watch, watch it. it. Yeah, you can't really describe <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Like the the more you know, then you, know, you shouldn't know a lot going into it. Just know that it's it's a good tech film. Uh, and yeah, it's definitely worth keeping in mind if you're trying to think of you know how to make a brick film in a short amount of time, but m- make it interesting and memorable. Mm. I mean, I I I think there's always this thing with the. Uh... You know, with the brick film showcase, like when you're talking about a brick film which is only like a minute and a half long, you don't really want to go on to like with a massive monologue about how good it is. So I think it's always quite good if we they say too much of it because it's. I mean, again, these brick films are always just worth watching for yourself, aren't they? And yeah, I did, yeah, I just think it's a really interesting brick film. Yeah, it's also worth keeping an eye out for the uh, old school mod element implementation, where you just write it on a piece of paper and just tape it to the Lego. The E. <laughs> yeah, there's like a whole bunch of different printed E's and different <laughs> fonts stuck on his shoulder. <laughs> it's funny how like in 2007 the letter E didn't mean anything, but now it's just, just Markiplier. <laughs> yeah, it's just, the whole film is E. <laughs> <laughs> and the key, I really love the keyhole build. I really love the way the light shines through it. Yeah, that's good. the thing about like, I mean, like you can tell there's like there's some overhead lighting too, but it doesn't. It's not enough to really distract from the keyhole. I actually like the the lamp hanging from a like implied ceiling. That's pretty rare for the time. Hmm. It's like brick clouds. End. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where if you imply a ceiling, your film instantly becomes cool. <laughs> yeah, trying to work out like thing. how how best to sort of do that is always kind of fun. Uh, I tried doing it a bit actually, um, but yeah, it's always quite a difficult thing to do. Generally, uh, a lot of films just have like that one shot. Well, what I've been doing in Taco Trouble 2 is I've got a, I've got a decent number of shots where you can see just a small bit of the ceiling, like just at the edge, and then there's all these hanging lamps that are, of course, implied to be hanging from the ceiling. So it, it feels like a huge ceiling, even though I'm only showing a small bit of it at any one time. Hmm. So I feel like that goes a long way. And that's, you know, sort of like what's in this film is a lamp hanging from what you would imagine to be a ceiling. So, yeah, should we go over to uh, your pick, Ed Brown? By the Sad Sea Waves, by Twickerbrick. Which kind of like goes, like you were saying, this went along with the isolation theme that we had going on. One thing, I really like the, the setting. For one thing, I really love the ocean. Just like sort of like the, um, being out at sea and stuff. It's like a fantasy that I had never really actually had because I've never been on a ship before or even out of my country. But I really like sort of like how they took this, you know, concept that I think is kind of like romanticized. But they really added like an element of fear and how more probably how it would actually be. Especially when you kind of add the idea that he's alone on the ship, but not really alone because he's like surrounded by his old, I'm assuming those are his old crewmates and that they're like infected by something and he has to escape them somehow. Mm. But where can he escape to? He's on, he's on a ship, isolated. Um, and I think that the concept of that, it's fun. But I think what really makes this brick film amazing is the, is the poem. The poem aspect of it is something I really want to see a lot more in brick films. 
um, is mm. sort of like have like either like a poem or like, you know, words, narration that kind of like has something to say. And I was talking about this again earlier is I would really have to see something like this, except with something like in Flanders Fields, um, like, you know, the famous anti-war poem. Because that, because like this kind of concept where you kind of like, where you very much have something to say, along with narration that's powerful, can really create something that's impactful. With every Chuck a Brick film, there's so much to admire. Like, pretty much every shot, you can look at this everything and just sort of like admire the set design, the, the cinematography, the animation. Uh, the set design, especially in these, is something else, truly. I cannot believe how they were able to do all this. Twickerbeck has such an aesthetic of like oh, yeah. true. of brown oh, yeah. like brown, you know, that kind of sort of warm well it's sort of like yeah, sort of warmish colours but kind of Muted at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, sort of yeah, muted. Um And it's funny because like I, I kind of always thought that the recognizable look of their films came from the, the fact that they kept on using the four thousand, but even in switching to a DSLR it stays looking like Twickerbrick films. I think a lot, a lot of it has to do with like just the color correction as well, or the color grading. Hmm. Uh, whenever there's a brawler attack, I always watch the playlist, uh, like on a TV, and and then and so I can't see who actually made the film because it's full screen. They automatically play the next one, but every time a Twig Break film comes up, within about two seconds, I'm like, oh, this is Twig. <laughs> I love having that sort of like really just recognize recognizable stamp on um on everything yeah. you make. I like that they do these shots that are like centered with a sort of basic shape structure. You know, like in this, there's a shot where he's climbing up the, bro the broken window, and this big rectangular window frame with the light yeah, coming in from outside. They've they done other similar shots to that. Looks really nice. And even just like the movement as well. Oh, yeah. It's like the style of animation is perfect for, for what they're accomplishing. It, 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 it's so weird, but Twickabrick. It's almost like whenever I see his films, um, I don't see Lego. I don't see like the whole brick aspect of it, even mm. though you know it's the medium. But it's like you see, like through that, and you get exactly what he's trying to say. Yeah, I get that. I mean, like it's funny. Their their style of animation is kind of like it's the anti-cartoon. <laughs> exactly. But, yeah. But it kind of. But then it's a perfect example of that style of animation being used for the being used well. yeah um and you know you, I, like i said uh, at the very beginning it's kind of like you need to have um there needs to be a purpose for your style of animation and i don't think the smooth look necessarily works in in a lot of brick films depending on the style but that look really works perfectly for their film yeah it's like these these with this is not you said it's about the anti-cartoon and when you know like anti-cartoon is just humanity and that's what he really <laughs> accomplishes yeah. I know, like, when I watched the quiz, I was basically thinking, like, I didn't even know you could move the minifigures in this tiny of an increment. <laughs> oh, that must be so, so... like, getting getting those movements got, has to be some type of precision, you know? I mean, it seemed like wizardry watching the quiz. You gotta, like, really pince but... your fingers for it. But but I, I've, been, I've been inspired by their stuff in the recent animation I've done. Like, I've been trying to do similar kind of really small movements of the figures I like it as well you know this is what they do in a week this is a brawl you know and and that <laughs> and regardless of like when uh you know like the time limit the, the you know like the contest like I think it was Zach is the same like their style of animation 
they don't compromise on it. It always seems like they've put that effort into every film they make. You know, it's always there that 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 quality. Um, obviously, when it comes to Thack, you know, they often have like the sort of shorter but highly polished kind of sort of sequence. Whereas when it comes to Brawl, they have a much more kind of realized. They have they have the room to really just make something that's just amazing, you know. And of course, it's worth mentioning that they just won the Easter contest with a, a great entry. Oh, did the but is it once again? We're off. We're off on a tangent talking about everything except the film that we're supposed to be talking about. <laughs> uh, I feel I mean, the film and the filmmaker. I feel really bad because uh, when it comes to Easter contest, I I never seem to always I never seem to be around when they take place, and I have no idea that they won. Uh, this contest. <laughs> okay, I I need to binge the uh, I need to binge watch the um, the Easter contest films now. <laughs> but yeah, the, by the sad sea wave. I, I probably said it when we uh, when we did the Prowl podcast. But yeah, it has great sound design as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's worth mentioning. Yeah, I, oftentimes it falls by the wayside during Brawl. It has for me at least, and the acting as well uh, for the narration. That's true. That's the thing, you know. Like, there's so much potential in this sort of style to really make incredibly impacting um brick films yeah it's certainly a good example of a, a brick film that's worth studying mm-hmm. inspirational i just think that um there's so much you can learn from trick or brick um even from like the earlier videos i think one of my favorite videos of theirs is the that film they did in 2010 um the one in the cave i've forgotten the final quest final quest yeah like uh, again, it's just that animation style is perfected already by that point, you know, and uh, they just, and yet they could just somehow continue to innovate and just Improve. make amazing, yeah, just make amazing stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to know what was their influence for animation because, yeah, it seems like around that time, like 2010, they did a couple of animation challenge entries, which was like sort of the first point at which their animation was next level. The, the one uh, climbing a rock face like I, re- I remember that you know back then the animation challenge in Bricks of Motion was a pretty big deal and when they released the rock climbing one you know that turned a lot of people's heads it's cr- yeah like it gets to the point where you like you, you refine one thing um, about your animation or about your film and just seeing how much higher they can still climb is like what the heck are you human <laughs> I mean it's like if you try to tell me if you try to sort of like make me choose like you know, say, what is the best, like, you know, Trick or Brick film and stuff? I'd be like, well, obviously it's this one. And then I'd be like, wait, but then it's like, what about this one? It's like, every Brick film that they've made in the last 10 years is the best Brick film they've ever made. That's the thing. <laughs> it's like, they all have so much impact. They all mean something, you know, depending yeah. on who you are. I mean, like, uh, again, another one that uh, you could easily forget about, like, when it comes to all the other ones. But again, it's just, like, absolutely amazing film. It's the Taste of, Taste of Victory. Like uh, yeah, that's that's great, and uh, the the special effects, the 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 effects they use in that is just like the brick build effects, yeah. Yeah, like, well, I mean, the the rain effect is like I've never seen anything like that, and it's just so effective. I've barely seen anyone use anything like it since, really. Yeah, I want to be this animator when I grow up. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, something that you you briefly mentioned there it was like, are are they even human? That's how I felt watching the animation in the quiz and certain other films. It's just it's, it just seems like wizardry. Yeah. And it's just like it's what I really love about it is like it's that human aspect to it, you know? Yeah, they've probably nailed realistic animation. I don't want to say better than anyone, but as good as anyone. <laughs> no hierarchies here. 
No. Well, I mean, the, there's a couple of other people who I'd consider to be on that, like, a similar top level. Like, uh, Zach Vasius. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dylan Woodley and uh, Sean Willits. They're all incredible. Yeah, Sean Willits is Sean Willits is, is also, like, another great filmer who's incredible. I grew up watching him. Yeah, yeah I mean, Sean Willits, he's, a, he's another great example of that. And, um, you know, it's kind of funny with, like, I mean, like the first films in the Tim and Fred series. You know, they're still good, but they're kind of like, low, they're kind of maybe... So I guess they're like the prototype. Yeah. And you got like the Halloween uh, episode and it's just like amazing. Like the, the animation is just like, how did you get from there to there? It's just like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like it's crazy. Like you, I love like, you know, going through a lot of these people's catalogs because you can kind of see like when they make some of their breakthroughs. Or like whenever they get over like a certain like mental block that they've had, mm. and it's like growth. <laughs> we love to see it, and it's it's funny because it's it's always, it always seems to be with with anyone like, they get to that um, eureka moment and then they make, the that break film that defines them and it just they just keep growing from there and it's just like it's, there's a sudden like point. Well, it seems we've gone from talking about Twix's entire filmography to. Uh... Every brick film ever made. <laughs> How many do you think there are? <laughs> I could never even... I could never guess. Let's discuss them all. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and then with each one, we have to go on like a massive tangent. But I mean, there must be <laughs> literally millions of brick films. The most intellectual conversation on the planet. <laughs> I mean, well, there, probably, there might be as many brick films as there are films. <laughs> there actually might be, considering how accessible it is, yeah. I mean, technically, brick films are films. So when you when you have that applying, yeah. but... I think brick I films. I feel like, like this whole podcast. We we've been like, have you ever seen that YouTube thumbnail of like three kids sitting? Around <laughs> exactly, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, is Fortnite going downhill or something? <laughs> this whole time, that image was just in my mind because that one kid in the middle looks so smug, but also looks like he knows exactly what he's talking about. Which just, it's amazing. <laughs> Joe Rogan who? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, it's been, uh, I guess this is probably a point where we wrap up. This has legit been like a really like fun time. Oh yeah, it's been, I yeah. loved it, yeah. I mean, yeah, this has been great. I don't know, it's generally, we always seem to find uh, so much to talk about and we, we always just like end up just having to kind of stop ourselves from just continuing forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's just been really uh, a, a lot of fun. Of, uh... Yeah, it's been great to have you on. Thank you. It was, it was great to be on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's like, yeah, what you what you do is just uh, is amazing. Like earlier before we were getting ready to start, I was, I was, watch, I was going through like your earliest films and um, they're on your YouTube channel. And you're actually the first person whose YouTube channel is actually newer than the podcast itself. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I've got everyone that's been on this podcast as a brick filming legend and for you to be here right now i mean that says a lot about how much you've achieved i guess in you know under two years <laughs> yeah some of it i want to say some of it's like um it's luck because you know youtube can be really tricky and finicky um but it's like there's always going to be opportunity and it's important to also recognize like i've been on the internet now for 10 years or more than that and so having that initial spark of momentum like being able to like figure out how to like capture that in a bottle kind of is really important if this is something that you'd like to do hmm. um you know consider like constantly right i was actually fortunate enough 
when the Solid Snake videos that we think got went like you know started going around, um, that I actually had a previous experience with something going around that I made that I wasn't able to actually you know harness. And I guess that's the thing with like you know with people my age is like you know oh you gotta monetize or you gotta capitalize on everything blah blah blah. Um, a couple years ago in 2018, I made a tweet that went like crazy viral. Um, I'd read it out loud, but I don't think it's age- I don't think it's like, appropriate. <laughs> and I went everywhere, and I was like, "This is crazy," and I got like 2,000 followers from that. But I wasn't able to keep the consistency. I wasn't able to like keep up the momentum. And I'm like, "Huh? Well, that's not good," you know. But when that happened again with the solid snake, is that feel like I was like, "Okay, you know, learn from your mistakes." Um, and understand what is something that I like seeing from people who I just sort of come across. And one of the most important things I think is like, you know, the consistency, but also sort of like the rapidness and being able to like, sort of like work within that is kind of vital to keeping yourself alive. It's like swimming, you know, you got to keep moving your arms to stay your he- to keep your head above the water. Yeah, that's kind of good. That's a good sort of metaphor for us. Um, but as well, I think it's like, what's the most important thing? I think, you know, you make a book film like once a week. But there always seems to be that uniqueness with each video you make. And I feel like you're not just like making the same thing every every week. You're kind of, I feel that, I, I can feel that there's a there's a real passion there and a real kind of uh, a joy. I really, I really like doing this. Yeah. And I think that's hugely important if you're, if you're doing something that regularly. You know? it, I think it is very like as well, because, you know, you have to remember every, like people are like smart as hell nowadays. Like everybody's smart. So, well, you can't. Uh, you can't get. <laughs> you can't get by. You can't fool them. You, yeah, you can't get by on just sort of like you know shoveling things out, um, because and that's also I don't want to be somebody who just shovels things out either. I want to be able to like sort of facilitate aspects of my own personality into my films, and that's why you have some some aspects or some of my videos that have something more to say, like the grocery store one, for example. Um, and other times where I'm kind of like burnt out on constantly being aware of how shitty the world is. You know, just have fun with it. You know, just have like, you know, just, you yeah, know, sometimes you have to bully Sonic <laughs> <laughs> and being able to incorporate the things that I really like into these films also really help with that. You know, like stuff like the video games that I play that mean a lot to me or the music, especially I think music is also a really important aspect because like sometimes you can come across a song and you're like, oh, my God, the song is incredible. And you just like automatically just start imagining how you would envision this as a video without even thinking about it. Because, like, yeah. sometimes the music can be that moving that you can just see a scene. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, like, like uh, the basis of, uh, you know, a couple of, a few of my projects have been, like, I've listened to that, that a piece of music and I just thought, well, yeah, now, like, I don't need, like, even a storyboard or anything. I can just base the yeah, thing just... on that. <laughs> yeah, if, if we start talking music, I could, this could be a five-hour-long podcast. <laughs> I love music. I love all types of music. Every song I've ever listened to is a banger, except that's not true. <laughs> Well, let, let's save it for our, our music spin-off podcast. Yeah. I think there's one thing I would like to say is that I think the most important thing about keeping yourself, you know, you either die a wholesome content creator or live long enough to see yourself become a gamer moment. It's just you have to stay away from being put on autopilot. And I think there was a moment in my life, like around a couple years ago, like right before I started doing this, where I found myself pretty much heavily on autopilot. I was in film school and I wasn't happy. You know, I wasn't uh, happy with my current relationships with my family and friends. And just generally, like, a lot of that. And, like, you know, when it comes to a point where it gets pretty just unfulfilling, you kind of have to, like, really look at what you're doing, why you're doing it, and what makes you happy and what doesn't. And you kind of have to really try and stick to what does make you happy. I mean, that's true. I mean, like, you know, you get so 
set on a routine, even if you aren't happy with that routine, you're just so used to it that getting out of that can be really hard. Sometimes you have to It make... almost seems impossible. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to just make this sort of like tough decision and think, yeah, right, I've gotta I gotta do this in order to uh just change that routine. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes though you can't you can't do it all at once. Um sometimes like if you're if you find yourself stuck, you have to really take all the time you can to yourself to incrementally work on your actual passion until you find it gets to the point where you're able to jump ship and be like, all right, let's get cracking. But I think that we should uh, practice what we preach and actually end the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, no, I mean, that, was, that was a perfect ending. <laughs> yeah. Thank you again for having me. Yeah, thank it, you. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, same. Thanks.